Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of December 2021, is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Glad to be here and uh, ready to talk some Blu-rays. This should be a fun one. Oh, yeah. Uh, it should be a fun one. This is a, a hastily I mean, thrown fun. together episode. But, <clears throat> yeah, it's always fun. I mean, <laughs> as I say, pretty much every time we get together, Brad, it's like this is how we justify our habit. This is yep. how we justify the expense to the people who judge us. It's like, it's like bitch, <laughs> I, I at least talk about these things at least once a month. I know I don't watch all of them. But at least I'm talking about it and exhibiting passion. We make it <laughs> you worth don't it. Don't understand. <laughs> but uh, this is a hastily thrown together episode, so apologies, uh, dear listeners and or viewers. Uh, we had to kind of pull this together right quick. Uh, so, Brad, uh, do you, would you care to introduce to our audience uh, what the theme for this month's episode will be? Yeah, it is... What did we decide on? Awesome artwork? Amazing artwork? Uh, <laughs> Something with an A. An artwork. Yeah. <laughs> Some alliterative shit. <laughs> we, we're specifically highlighting our Blu-rays, the, you know, the front cover artwork, and the front cover artwork that just looks real good. So, uh, not necessarily the you know theatrical poster artwork and we'll kind of get into that a little bit but you know some of them are modeled after the original theatrical poster uh some of them are a brand new commissioned artwork and you know sometimes that can look great sometimes it can be barf worthy uh, but these are the ones that stand out and they look nice from the front yes yes uh, so today we're going to be talking about cover art uh, the cover it has nothing to do with the quality of the films themselves, uh, strictly just from an aesthetic standpoint, the cover art for the, the films featured. Um, and yeah, folks at home, if you're not aware of how a uh, Tales from the Shelf episode works, uh, basically this is just an excuse for Brad and I to uh, peruse our own respective movie collections and uh, just share some war stories about collecting and about movies that uh, are important to us for a variety of reasons so all the picks that we'll be showing off here in a kind of show and tell format uh will come from our own personal movie collections uh so being as uh brad is our esteemed guest uh i will do my hosting duty and uh throw him right under the bus <laughs> and ask that he present oh his film first uh to kick us off in this discussion of amazing artwork or awesome i'll figure it out when i make the graphic <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, let's see. You know, jeez, really wasn't expecting this. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a little unprepared here. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you proposed the idea. <laughs> no, I know. I just, I know. I always go first, but for some reason, I was like, oh shoot, now I gotta just, pick which just one. Just give start yourself with. the the Eddie Murphy, the Eddie Murphy buildup. <laughs> yeah, showtime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go with this one now. You know, I'll probably highlight a few different uh, boutique labels because a lot of specific labels they do when they release a new edition of a film, they give it new artwork because if you're going to charge that premium price tag, you better at least be giving me a new reversible cover or something. And uh, Scream Factory is one of those labels. 
or Shout Factory, but uh, Scream Factory more specifically here, they usually um, put out newly commissioned artwork, and then on the reverse side, it's the the original theatrical poster or whatever. Uh, and honestly, gotta say, not a, the biggest fan of a lot of their artwork. A lot of floating heads. Get real tired after a while. I'm gonna go with this one, though, and highlight it, because I like... You might... There might be a trend here with me. You might no, notice I like a lot of simple... Like an aesthetically simple. I don't like anything too cluttered. This one's a little cluttered, I guess, but it's comparatively... With the rest of the Scream Factory titles, it's pretty simple, pretty nice. This is the collector's edition of Urban Legend. Now, uh, this this artwork, I like it because first of all, you're highlighting the goods here. You got a great killer with the hood. You got the you got their weapon. This is all really. This is all you need. You can get rid of all this. This this is all you need. You need the killer. You're good. But also, you got you know the shattering of the glass. I like that's a nice touch. And uh, also, just like you know, they don't try and like pop in every major actor on here probably because they couldn't get the rights to Jared Leto I'm sure they they, they couldn't if they could get Jared Leto's face on this they would have shoved it in somewhere but uh you know you got the nice little aspect here of um I guess I don't this is going to be interesting in an audio only folks listen on uh check us out on YouTube this is (laughs) one episode you definitely want to check out on YouTube Uh, (laughs) I didn't think about that um, when I pitched this idea, but you got the little poster here of the, the, I think like the first woman who dies and the, the headline lunatic on campus. You got another, uh, newspaper headline down there. You got the great tagline. It happened to someone who knows someone, you know, you're next. That's a good. I don't like the you're next, but that's a good tagline. It happened to someone who knows someone, you know, I like that's really good. I, <laughs> urban legend. I love that. <laughs> That's Jesus, great. that's terrible. I love that for for a movie about an urban legend. That's great, Brad. What one more time, if you could? It happened to someone who knows someone you know. Oh my <laughs> god, that is a busted ass sentence. <laughs> I, think, I think it's good. I think it's a little tongue in cheek, but that's the thing. That's the thing with the urban legend. That's the joke of it. Like you know, they're like, uh, oh, it happened to a guy who knows my cousin. So I think they're you know they're leaning into that a little. Bit. I know a guy who knows a guy who. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who did a thing back in the day, you know? Exactly. <laughs> back in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like uh, Urban Legend a fair bit. Obviously, definitely a, a Scream ripoff in some ways, but I think it's a fun Scream ripoff, and um, I enjoy the aspect of watching each kill play out as a classic Urban Legend, I think is a lot of fun. Um, you know, of course, all the Leto heads out there, you do got Jared Leto in there. Uh, who who else do we got? And we got we got Joshua Jackson, Tara Reid, Robert Englund as a small role. Just a stacked cast. You can't beat it. So yeah, Urban Legend, nice uh, little collector's edition there from Scream Factory. Not too bad. Yeah, I, I like the composition of that cover. Uh, it it's like you said, it's pretty simple and to the point, but it has very good use of color. There's a, there's actually a lot going on, honestly, with the moon mm-hmm. and the and the figure's position. There's some neat angles. Uh, it retains the shattering glass uh, cover of the original poster. You got the house in the corner. Yes, uh, it, there's a lot of elements there, but it doesn't feel overly cluttered. I really do like the the color and the composition of it. It's a snazzy cover. Uh, it kind of reminds me. It's like a more subtle version of uh, their take on the the silver bullet cover, with yeah. the like heavy metal werewolf, <laughs> like yeah. with the baseball bat or whatever. Here's, here's um, a reversible theatrical 
artwork yeah. there for comparison. Yeah, like like I said, it does it does retain the shattered glass motif of of the actual theatrical poster. Um, mm. But you need to remember, as Brad had said, this movie came out in the wake of the Scream phenomenon, uh, and this is where we had a whole slew of just teen faces as cover art for a lot of horror movies i'm looking at you phantoms i'm looking at you <laughs> like like any number of movies that came out in the wake of scream basically it was just like a row of hot people and mm-hmm. then like a minimalist background or something and, and urban legend certainly falls into that category um but i don't think i've seen urban legend but it had a sequel right like final cut maybe oh yeah urban legend final cut which i believe uh it takes place at a film school from what I remember, um, that I need to—I have not revisited that one um, in quite a while, but I—I I definitely want to check that one out. I—I I remember at the time, like when I first saw it, I was younger, not as big of a fan, but I—I I, I feel like maybe I would just w- with it taking place at a film school, maybe I would get some more like references and jabs that I didn't get the first time around. But uh, I, yeah, I—I I think definitely the first one for sure is worth watching if you're in the mood for just kind of like a trashy. 90s slasher that doesn't take itself too seriously well we have a scream it's just called scream right scream five on the horizon yeah Uh, for now at least we'll see if they (laughs) rebrand it at some point yeah we'll we'll see but it seems like the the marketing train is is has left the station for that one uh so i don't know as the the hype builds up for that one maybe you'll find yourself or maybe i'll find myself uh wanting for this particular flavor of slasher film because uh, you know the scream was a huge deal in the in the mid '90s, and it it birthed a lot of imitators and whatnot. As far as I understand, like you said, um, Urban Legend is an exceptional one of of the films that came afterwards. But yeah, maybe maybe uh, use it as an excuse to check out Final Cut again uh, in preparation for for the new Scream, I guess. Yeah, and um, you know, looking forward to the new Scream, and you know, when you start watching those movies. Uh, you kind of get a little bit of a hankering for some more. So uh, I, I don't know. I do, I do like, I'm just a sucker for that kind of genre, whether it's a slasher or a giallo, just the, the, the slasher, the murder mystery killer kind of thing, whether it is a slasher or a giallo, just, you know, trying to figure out who it is. I, I could watch those, whether they're good or bad, there's something about them that just, you know, there's an inherent mystery to them that's a lot of fun to try and figure out. Yeah, it's a cozy format. It's in fact, uh, there's a a subgenre of murder mystery that is referred to colloquially as a cozy. <laughs> um, so it's like it's only appropriate because it it does kind of have that allure to it, where it's like you just kind of slip into it, and it's one of those genres. Horror in particular is just one of those genres that seems to be immune to like criticism in certain regards, because a lot of other genres, like when you spot tropes and things. People are very critical of that, and it's just like ah, I've seen this shit before. It's like, but in horror, it's like no, that's kind of why we're here. It's like it's expected that you'll kind of express reverence or pay homage to that which came before. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I actually have not really dipped my toes back into that genre in quite some time. Uh, but there was there was a spell like around the time I was in college and had had access to their their network, their torrent network, the student network. Um, I was just gobbling up like all sorts of horror movies, largely slasher movies and stuff. But um, it's been a really long time. But I, every once in a while, I, I get that itch again. So maybe uh, maybe now is the time. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, heads up for anybody in the in the mood 
I haven't watched it actually, but uh, the making of documentary, the brand new making of documentary on this disc is like over two hours long. It's like almost two and a half hours. So huge, hugely comprehensive making of documentary for all the urban legend heads out there. I gotta, I gotta check that out. I mean, I I could watch stuff like that, like for any movie. Doesn't matter if I have any personal attachment to it. To it, it's I just it's just a f- process that I enjoy taking a look at. I like pulling back the curtain and seeing the actual logistics that went into making the thing that you got. Yeah. Um. And I don't know if you and I talked about this at length, but like, are are you and I in agreement that we we like like a comprehensive documentary as opposed to like featurettes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I I hate when you. I mean, I don't hate it, but you, you <laughs> pop in a Blu-ray, and it's like 15-minute interview with this person, a 15-minute interview with this person. I'm just like, man, just you know, take them, edit them all together, tell me a story. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like, it's tough to watch one per. You know, like it's interesting to hear them talk, but hear the one person just go on without any sort of interruption. You know, it gets a little, it's a little tiring. I would, I, I would much rather have interviews stitched together in a making of documentary format yeah absolutely i agree wholeheartedly but yeah folks at home if you if you have not listened to brad's podcast of the cinema speak podcast um (laughs) brad makes liberal use of a soundboard from time to time (laughs) (laughs) and uh i think he i don't know if you have this one already but uh, tell me a story (laughs) i I like stories (laughs) yeah 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 i i i I remember you using that one uh, on on your very first uh, YouTube unboxing video, I believe. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> for That's whatever right. reason, just that always stuck with me. Tell me a story. I like stories. That's good. Yeah. I, I need. I should add that uh, Add that to the board. Or oh, find, yeah. See if I can find. I get, there's got to be some filmmaker, some know-it-all filmmaker out there who says that. <laughs> I mean, just just pour through the david lynch library maybe maybe you'll get lucky and you'll have his his curmudgeonly ass <laughs> spit that I, one out at some point i bet you jared leto said that at some point tell me a story it's like fuck off <laughs> take your orange hat and get the fuck out of here <laughs> morbius uh, brad are you gonna go see morbius for the cinema speak podcast oh i mean absolutely i will be i mean not my decision but uh it was basically every major superhero movie that comes out, we go gotta, we go see it and review it. Uh, Santino so. into that one, yeah. Santino, uh, can't remember if he said he's excited about it or not, but he said he's going to see it. So. <laughs> if he's excited about it, it's like, dude, I know, I know you're the the resident comic guy, but I had my minute as the resident comic guy in my social circle, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody gives a shit about Morbius. <laughs> the mo- the most cultural footprint that Morbius has ever had in main- in pop culture came in the form of the '90s Spider-Man animated series, wherein mm-hmm. he was not allowed to be a vampire that bites people because that's too violent for kids. So he'd absorb not blood, plasma through his palms. He had these little suction cups on his palms. Interesting. <laughs> I think that was Morbius's shining moment in in the long history of the character. Yeah, well, I've got low expectations. Don't you worry. I mean, I don't know where else to put him when it, when it comes to Morbius. I mean, maybe Michael Keaton will be cool. I mean, they made sure to feature him in the cameo, like in the in the trailers. That's I right. would imagine it's not going to be a substantial role, but it's Michael Keaton. He he managed to bring it 
even when working on American Assassin. So I, I would imagine he can muster up something for Morbius. And, you know, speaking of American Assassin, it's your next pick for uh, Best Cover Art. Uh, oh, it's, it's choice, most so. assuredly American Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the cover art for that one. I think it was pretty bad, isn't it? Isn't it, like, it just, it's a it's a fart in the wind. It's like, just all I the mean, characters holding guns. Yeah, no, I was joking with Brad before we started recording. It's just like it's it's any number of gruff individuals holding pistols because it's it's like probably scientifically proven that your movie will sell better in certain certain portions of the American like film public and Eastern Europe. <laughs> if mm-hmm. you just have if you just photoshop in a pistol to the person's hand, like even if the even if there is no gun in the movie itself, if you put that gun on the cover, sales are going to go up but, selling um, point. what are we going to go with here brad so um i took it upon myself to kind of like categorize a lot of my picks into like purely just like aesthetically pleasing picks yeah. and uh ones that are just compelling like from a visual standpoint it jumps out at you it makes you want to stop in your tracks and maybe ponder on that one for a second so uh <clears throat> i'm gonna go with uh, one of the first DVDs I ever bought. Oh, uh, it's unfortunately a bootleg, due for oh. an upgrade. <laughs> uh, but this was an early episode of Catching Up on Cinema, and it is on the dreaded DVD format, which is of course uh, not a favorite of Brad's. Uh, so sorry about this, but um, ready your barf bag. Uh, so I have here uh, Ryuhei Kitamura's Verses uh, from the year two thousand on the nose and uh this is minimalist i know you're a fan of minimalism i like it and it's just monochromatic just black and white man with pistol again sales up (laughs) uh some sort of sword that looks like a katana with a highlander type hilt and just simple title one word versus now is that like a uh, real artwork just on a bootleg DVD or This is the this is the official poster art for okay. the film. I've seen uh Japanese DVDs use the same art. In okay. fact the the back of it is just a scan of of the actual slipcase for the for the film. But yeah, uh this is about as minimalist as it gets and it's simple, it's compelling. I even like the font, honestly. Like the the verses actually looks not half bad. Mhm. Um and uh yeah, this was this is one of those cases where uh, this movie was a gamble on my part. Not so much a gamble, but um, I used to frequent a website back in the day uh, called uh, Kung Fu Cult Cinema um, back back in like the early 2000s, probably when I was in early high school or something. And uh, I was reading reviews for any number of, quote, extreme Japanese films at the time. So like this was when Battle Royale was kind of like whispered about on the internet at least over here in the in the west um and i came across a review for this film and everything about it sounded like right up my you know 14 year old alley i was just like yeah zombies swords guns like two hours of just people hitting each other in the woods kind of like i used to do with my friends when i was 14 <laughs> like running around with a mini dv cam and stuff i was like this sounds amazing this sounds exactly like what i want and on top of that it's a japanese film and i was kind of you know edging towards exploring that that part of my heritage and stuff at the time uh so yeah i i I think i hopped on uh, ebay and i picked up a a bootleg copy of it because a big thing was um the regional encoding of discs was something that that web that website actually taught me about oh wow oh hey i'm i'm learning that 
a lot of cool movies exist that I really want to see, but at the time I didn't have a region free player. Uh, so it took special means to acquire them and whatnot. And so I ended up buying like a, a fucking terrible, absolutely god awful player that, that it would it would go whenever it was like scanning with the laser. It wouldn't work most of the time. It was a it was like at the time like a hundred bucks down the toilet. And for me that was just like, well, I guess that's a whole year of not buying anything. <laughs> so it was like a total fucking I just like took a shit on my on my life of purchasing products for an entire calendar year as a kid. Yikes. That sucked. So actually this this very DVD, um, I was not able to watch in my own home uh, for for a couple of years. Uh, after purchasing it i had to go to my friend's house um who owned a japanese playstation 2 uh, which of course has dvd playing capabilities and because it was japanese it was region 2 just like the disc i just showed off Uh, so the the first time and one of the only times i got to watch this particular disc in my youth came in the form of like sitting in my friend's basement and borrowing his playstation (laughs) And it was actually kind of cool because it was the first time I ever got to watch it. And uh, a couple of other people were over. So it was like we all just had like a, a, a blind screening of this movie that, you know, his shithead friend Trevor brought over that day. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up being pretty good. We had a lot of fun with it. And the subtitle quality, despite being a bootleg, is actually not half bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the rights to it have since been acquired by Arrow. Um, and they have put out like a – I mean, it's been – the rights to it have been purchased by multiple groups over the years. Uh, there have been numerous Western DVD releases of it, but I think Arrow currently has the rights to it. They put out a DVD and like a super duper Blu-ray edition, uh, which is not grossly overpriced. Like by Arrow standards, it's actually not terribly expensive. So I, someday I will upgrade to that. I don't imagine it's going to look good though, because this movie is made on the cheap, and I don't imagine any amount of like digital cleanup trickery could fix that just because of what it was shot on so i don't imagine it's going to be a very handsome disc but um even this bootleg i have uh has quite a bit of behind the scenes features uh including like a a short film that serves as a prologue to the movie which was an interesting attachment to it um but yeah I, i i love this movie it's it's not a genuine work of art or anything but it's it's it has a very like Evil Dead One kind of feel to it. It has a very like homemade quality to it, where it's just a bunch of bunch of people hanging out in the woods making a damn movie. Except for they take it a bit further and they actually have some legit talent, so it doesn't turn out to be a complete piece of shit. Oh, um, and, and in fact, yeah, and, and in fact, a lot of the people who worked on this thing uh, went on to have pretty significant careers. Uh, Yuhei Kitamura um, <laughs> had had the honor of directing. Um, the 50th anniversary Godzilla film, uh, Godzilla Final Wars, which at the time was the highest budget uh, Japanese Godzilla film ever produced. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't do so hot. And uh, he has made attempts, he's made forays into the the U.S. film market. He's made a couple of horror movies uh, in English shot with American producers. Um, earliest and most notable is The Midnight Meat Train. Oh, that, uh, that, yep, that's right. And uh, he did some movie about a, uh, it's like a, it's not like a straight up horror movie, but it's kind of like a an isolation thriller where it's like a bunch of teens pulled over on the side of the road, pinned down by a, a sharpshooter, like in a rural area of the, of the U.S. I don't yeah. remember the title for that, but he did that. 
Um, and right, and also he did a everybody's favorite uh, Ruby Rose movie <laughs> called The Doorman. Man, what happened to her, Brad? Is she like, is she not a good person or something? Because I feel like she was, they, like in, in volleyball terms, they like set her up, and like when someone went up to spike that. They just whiffed real bad because, like, I feel like she was getting so much work for a couple of years there, like around the time of the Meg, and like I think she's in like some other movies of that ilk. Like she was in a lot of big blockbuster movies there for like in the late 2010s, and mm-hmm. now she's doing direct to video movies and shit. Yeah, I don't know if she just got uh, overexposed too quickly, or I don't know. I know there was the controversy with her. Uh... Batgirl TV series um and I don't I don't remember the whole story but she left after one season and I don't know if it was something with uh not being treated well on set or there was some pay issue I don't know there's some reason I think why she left um that maybe hurt her I mean I I'm just I guessing mean, but maybe she pulled a Megan Fox and she bit the hand that fed her yeah, I mean, I hate Where to say bef- it. Like, before she was released from Batwoman, she was talking shit about it or something? Yeah, well, yeah, th- that and just you think, you know, even if it's, you know, even if she was left for a good reason, you know, could have future producers say, well, she left the show after one season. Let's, I mean, she could leave our movie. Like, you know, we, she could screw us over kind of thing. Loyalty is important in certain circles. So I could totally see that, but I, I just think it's funny. Like she, she had like a Steven Seagal style launch to her career where it's, it's like, you, you had everything. Like you, you were given the keys to the kingdom, to the bat yeah. cave even. And you fucked yourself. How does one do, how do you fuck that up? <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, I haven't seen the doorman, but, uh, anytime his name, anytime this director's name pops up, uh, my ears perk up because man, from like the year 2000 to like the year 2004, he was like, he was like my guy. Like he was one of my many guys. I, I have a lot of guys, but he was, he was like one of the, one of those directors that I would watch literally anything he made. Um, and then his, his output slowed and now it's like, I don't know. He, he's kind of been floundering. Um, but the the big one is uh the the star that's featured on the cover here. Uh, this is a uh, Tak Sakaguchi, uh, who I don't know if he had any film credits prior to this, but he serves as the protagonist of the film. And like, there's rumor that he like had uh, I don't know he had like a he had an interesting entry point to the film industry because I think he was just like a a boxer and just like a street fighter. Like he really? just like. You just like hang out in alleys and like people would place bets and you just get in fist fights with people or something. Like that was the rumor. It, it, like it's probably partially bullshit, but he wasn't really an actor as far as I understand. But mm-hmm. uh, in recent years, like he he threatened retirement, but in recent years he he's like become one of the foremost like martial artists and choreographers in the Japanese film industry. Oh wow! That's like he's cool. been doing all sorts of special projects like that. I talked about with you um, a while back that. Uh, a crazy samurai musashi movie mm-hmm. where it's like a one take just hour and a half action movie basically i mean the one take portion of the of the action is actually more like an hour or 45 minutes but it's it's him killing people with a sword for like 40 plus minutes with basically no breather um it's very impressive and and he has a youtube channel called tuck tuck channel where he uh he eats food 
and then he uh, roughhouses with people and and con- conducts choreography and stuff. It's a very interesting combination, but he's a very endearing personality, and it's really interesting to see a guy who was this close to stepping away from things, and now it's like, whoa, he's like really better than he ever was, honestly. He's thriving. He's living his best life, it sounds like. I know. It's it's actually interesting because there's a, like, John Wick 4 right now is maybe my most anticipated on the on the release calendar. I'm curious, Brad, do you ever do that for your show? Like a, a most anticipated uh, for maybe your year-end wrap-up or something like that? We used to. I feel like we didn't do it this past year just because we it was like, who knows what the hell is even coming out this year kind of thing. Well, um, yeah, the, the schedule's a little yeah, I know. Nebulous I, at best. <laughs> I want to say we maybe did it at the start of 2020. I can't remember. We used to do it for sure. I think we did. I don't think we did it this past year though. Well, it can be tricky too because you need to have you need to have people involved in the conversation that actually give a shit about things like that. So yeah. it's like it can be one of those questions that you're not going to get the best answer to. Um, but it's, it's something I try to keep in the back of my mind. But yeah, John Wick for uh, Hagakure, I think, is the subtitle they add to it recently. Mm-hmm. Is basically me in a movie just just like everything i could ever ask for it's like your dream we got keanu shooting people we got scott adkins who most undoubtedly will shoot some people and kick some people we got donnie n who will most most assuredly kick some people and shoot some people i think hiroyuki sanada's in there as well um i was hoping sonny chiba would make an appearance but unfortunately he passed away from covid i think prior to production Mm. Uh, because i know I've seen an interview with uh, him and Keanu Reeves where Keanu just fanned the fanboyed the fuck out when he walked in the room. It was adorable, like yeah. much like anything Keanu related. Um, but actually, like talk Sakaguchi, like in light of his capability, it's like Chad Stahelski is in like he and his eighty seven eleven people. They're they're like the aces of of martial arts choreography in Hollywood. It's like maybe bring him in. Like he's pretty capable. <laughs> like yeah. like I bet he could. P- put some fireworks on screen and it would be a really thrilling opportunity to have like a, a clash of styles and talents. But anyway, uh, you have any interest in this movie, Brad? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember when it got up, uh, came out from arrow, I kind of was curious and I think you had talked, maybe we had talked about it then or something, but you had kind of recommended it. And, uh, yeah, I, I am, I'd be curious to check it out. Uh, the arrow artwork is pretty nice as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I have seen Midnight Meat Train, so I've at least seen something from this director. That Downrange movie, it's called Downrange, the Thank sniper you. one. Thank you for looking that up. That looks like it'd be up my alley. I might, and I don't know, the poster I'm looking has a shutter on the poster. Oh, shit. But it says it's from 2017, so I don't think it would be a, I don't think shutter's been around that long. Maybe, I mean, maybe it has, but. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that, maybe they have been around that long. That does feel kind of early, but, um. Maybe yeah, I mean, if if you end up checking it out, let me know because I I haven't been checking in on him in the past like half decade or so, and I'm 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 curious because like I said, I used to really like the guy, and it is. he at the very least he usually has like a loud visual style, not like a good visual style, but like his cinematography tends to be creative at the very least. Yeah, so I'd be curious like if if any of that makes an appearance in in his American pictures because Midnight Meat Train was fairly sedate uh, in terms of like the visuals of it like it, there was a lot of interesting color grading and stuff going on um and of course it ends with a fist fight in a horror movie because 
that's his thing. That's what he does. <laughs> but, but yeah, if you end up watching that downrange, let me know. Yeah, I thought this was going to be the month that I unsubscribed from Shudder, finally. But uh, I don't know. I kind of do want to watch that, and it is streaming there. So might be hanging on for at least one more month. Every time I think I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last time I tried to cancel, they gave me another free month to keep me on. And I'm wondering if it's been long enough where they would do do that again. I don't know. Because they probably fingers oh, crossed. Brad. They only want to do it once. You know, they don't want you. They're not going to do it every time you try and cancel. But it's like, well, if it's been two years since the last time, like that's. I think it's long enough to give me another, give me another bump, give me another chance. Yeah, you know, you can hope. Like, hopefully yeah. that works out for you. But well, uh, that yeah. that's enough out of me. I said way more than I expected to on that one. Brad, what is your next pick? All right, I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a three for one here. Um, nice. Um, thank you for taking advantage. Thanks for cheating. Yeah. Well, these kind of are they're all by the same label. Um, and one of them I haven't seen, so I can't really comment on the film too much. But I do need to highlight the artwork, which I think is amazing. Let's just do that one first. Let's start there. So I'm gonna talk. I'm talking some Criterion movies here. Love Classing Criterion. It up. Yeah, and you know what I like about Criterion is they're not like these shills at Scream Factory where they think they need new artwork. Sometimes, some Criterion releases, they just take the poster. Sometimes the poster, they know you can't beat it. It's iconic. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to go with... So, I appreciate that. I appreciate when they... They know when a poster artwork is good enough, just go with it. And they also know when, you know, tweak it a little bit or to just do something totally new. So, I mean... In terms of labels, artwork, they might be the experts, I gotta say. This release, I actually don't know if it was an image when the film was released or it's new for this Criterion Blu-ray, but I think it is great. And it's for the film The Vanishing. And this is from 1988, and it's uh, some foreign film i don't know what country or what language i haven't watched it but i do know there was an american remake but what i love about this is i don't know how well this is translating over camera but it's all dots and the dots form a face i don't know if you can tell that very well but it's the kind of thing where if you're looking real close like if you have it like right up here and you're looking at it the dots just all kind of it just looks like dots there's no image but the further away the artwork is from you the clearer the face becomes which i love i think i think that's so creative i don't know whose face that is i don't know if it's symbolic of anything i don't know i haven't seen the movie but that is a great piece of artwork that's enough to sell the blu-ray right there that is genius i love that i can't wait to watch this and find out who she is i'm guessing she's the one that went missing i'm guessing i don't know but uh yeah what else is there to say I mean, there's only two interviews on here. I mean, come on, there's barely anything on this disc. But all you need is that artwork. Great stuff. Do you know? Do you, are you familiar with this film? I, I'm not, but I'm trying to look it up right now. And uh, there are far too many films with the title "The Vanishing." By the way, um, yeah, I think the American remake had Jeff Daniels and Kiefer Sutherland potentially. Is that I, right? I mean, that could be the case. Uh, there's also a Gerard Butler movie from 2018. Uh, there's also a 1993 film with uh, Jeff Bridges. Uh, oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Did uh, I say Jeff Bridges? Or did I say uh, Jeff Kiefer Daniels? Sutherland's in there as well. Um, that's what I'm thinking of. And it looks like it's based on 
uh, a film by Tim Crabe, who is, oh, uh, Dutch. It is a Dutch film. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and it looks like the original. um, uh, It's based on a book, actually. Oh, so it's an adaptation of an adaptation. Very interesting. Yeah, but you're you're absolutely right though. That cover is quite lovely. It's it's uh, super minimalist, but like like you said, it doesn't translate so great on camera, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I, if I squint, I can make it out. If you pull up like a JPEG of it on your browser, uh, look it up, folks. It's it's quite handsome. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I even like the the color arrangement of it. Where it's like it's it's very pleasing to the eye. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, my next criterion, this is another simple one. This one, I think, is a n- nice improvement over the theatrical poster, which I'm not a big fan of. And this is for an early Danny Boyle joint. We're talking Shallow Grave, which might have been his first movie. I'm not totally sure. But I just love just the hammers, the title there. I just It's very striking. It's intriguing. You kind of know you're going to be in for something violent, but you don't really know what. Uh, and of course, you've got the uh, the actors listed there as a little bit of a selling point. But um, you know, this is kind of one of one of my go to movies in the genre of somebody commits a crime and they, you know, they're not criminals, but they commit a crime and they do it out of greed and try and get away f- with it. I call it crime gone awry, <laughs> and just how it all starts to spiral out of control. This is a real good uh, example of that. Not like the best in that genre, I think. Um, uh, Sam Raimi's A Simple Plan is even better. There's a few other uh, key ones. But this is a, a real uh, solid debut. Well, I guess I shouldn't say debut. I'm not totally. Yeah, first film from Danny Boyle. It's a real solid debut. And uh, that artwork with the hammer is just, I think this was one of my earliest Criterion Blu-rays. And that artwork could very well be the reason why. I I really dig that. I mean, that that's why I said I, I set aside some picks purely based on is it like a compelling image and most certainly yeah it's like you walk by that and it's like that's an awful lot of hammers <laughs> it's like like i wonder what happens in that movie i wonder how those hammers come into play i don't totally know even if they use any hammers i'm trying to remember sure they must okay but... i might have a problem with that if that's the case <laughs> like, like if, they, they... if they if they promise me hammers like like if you had a say like a, a criterion release of old boy or something that just had a hammer or, or like a, I don't know, like an octopus or something, or a, or yeah. a, or a, yeah, something like that. Like that, I could that works for me. But if you can't place what the what the proper what the image is evocative of within the film itself, there might be a problem there. There might be some misguided direction in terms it's of. It's been like, a while since art. I've seen it. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the main thing is that they dispose of a body, and I don't think you'd really, maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. That's what I used to dig a hole, Brad. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm thinking, do they do something where they like smash the body with a hammer? I there's got, I'm sure there's there's got to be a hammer in here. Like the folks at Criterion aren't that off the wall. They're not that wacky. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. And uh, finally, I'll just mention another one here, which is uh, you know pretty minimalist, but it's real simple, and it just it tells you everything you need to know about the movie and uh that is i might have highlighted this movie on here before i don't know but it is rafifi oh yeah which is a i mean you you tell me what this is about trevor tell me what it's about uh it's the one a, sentence synopsis it's a heist 
<laughs> what are they stealing? Yeah, he's stealing shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what specifically? I mean, come on, it's right uh, there. Duh, he's stealing an uh, elephant. <laughs> duh, I think a hamburger. Yeah, it's a diamond or a diamond, diamond ring. Yes, yeah. <laughs> They're stealing jewelry. They're stealing jewelry. And uh, you even got the, like, there's the main uh, iconic sequence is when they lower down into a jewelry store from the second level. And uh, they, uh, so, you know, you got that in there. You know, it's just real nice, real simple. I like the blue with the sort of, you know, yellow, orangish font there at the bottom. Although I got to say, let me pull it up here. That some I mentioned this uh, movie in a recent, well, not recent, but in a YouTube video I did. Somebody did a comment with a potential major plot hole in this movie and oh. uh, may have potentially ruined the movie forever for me. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'll see if I can pull it up here. But you, you haven't uh, seen Rafifi? I, I have not, but it's it's still on my radar because you had brought it up in a conversation a, a long time ago, uh, and I, I've never forgotten about it. It does sound like a, a lovely film. Like it, it mm-hmm. sounds like it has a lot going for it, and that that cover is beautiful. Like it, yeah. it's very simple, and like you said, it it references so many actual elements in the film itself. But like again, I can't emphasize enough: color arrangements very important. Uh, I like the choice of color, and and the font is very strong as well. It's not distracting. It's it it has the right shape. Everything everything jumps out on that cover. It's very well executed. Yeah, I the the plot hole with Rafifi not a not really a plot hole but basically so they have to break into the jewelry store through the apartment that's above it and uh somebody commented on my video they said uh there's a furnished apartment upstairs where they break in from the sound sensitive alarm can't work up there or no one could live there so until they are broken or breaking through why are they being so quiet well, yeah, it's a fair point, I guess. It's a fair point. That is a fair they are point. being quiet the whole time they're up there. But, you know, <laughs> you can overlook that. That's that's minor. That's that's small potatoes in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's, it can be fun to nitpick movies. It can be fun to dissect them into oblivion. But every once in a while, it's just it's in your best interest to just shut up. Yeah. Just, just, just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Also, we got to mention the with Criterion, you know, just the iconic branding of the yes. the C, the year, Criterion Collection. I mean, real simple but real nice. That that that's a nice touch. I mean, they do have one of the strongest and most consistent brands in physical media distribution. Like they do. They're 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 the old hat at this point, but like they're here to stay. Like like they're the damn Yankees of of DVD and Blu-ray distribution. Yeah. Well, even the Yankees lose sometimes, though. That uh, Citizen Kane fiasco really uh, <laughs> knocked them down. It brought them down to earth, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, they, they made God bleed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but, no, yeah. Those are all awesome picks, though. Like I, I have not seen any of those films, um, but I'm sure, as we tend to say here on the show, if it's part of the Criterion Collection, is more than likely worth your time. Uh, and I don't doubt that at all in fact Rafifi should be a movie that I check out very soon because you've talked about it enough that's like man I should just I should just cross that off the list so like Brad can stop bringing it up <laughs> <laughs> well you know don't don't uh beat it yourself up too much uh for not having seen any of those 
uh, I own all three of them, and I still haven't seen one of them. So, I mean, I don't, that that could be worse, the fact that uh, I haven't seen one of them. Well, as I said, Brad, at the top of the show, this is why we do the show, <laughs> is, yeah. to, is to make it okay that you haven't watched it yet. It's like, this, this justifies the expense. This justifies its inclusion in your personal collection. But exactly. All all awesome picks though, Brad. Very very thank awesome you, to look you. at for sure. But um what am I going to pick next? Uh, it is most assuredly not going to be a uh, Criterion cuz I don't actually have a whole lot of those. Um So, I'm going to I'm going to throw I'm going to throw three back at you. <laughs> and uh, they're of similar uh they have similar connective tissue uh two two different studios but the same genre at the very least uh, so these are all actual official japanese dvds uh, so these are region two and as i've disclosed previously on the show uh my ex-girlfriend absconded with my uh multi-region player so i have not had the means to watch any of these in quite some time yeah, <laughs> but he... but Part of part of the fun of these releases is that, man, uh, Japanese distributors, uh, just Japanese culture in general is very aesthetic oriented, and uh, when it comes to cover art and things like that, they they try real hard and they they yeah. very seldom miss. Uh, so I'm gonna see your minimalism and raise you some loud ash orange and gr- and blues. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I have here um, the. Ultraman Mobius movie, which is oh. Ultraman Mobius and the Ultra Brothers. Um, I'm see. digging it. Yeah, it, the comp- compositionally, it's it's basically all you could hope for in in mm-hmm. like a children's superhero movie. Um, and then I also have uh, the like Ultra like I forget the full title of it, but it's like Mega Monster Battle Ultra Legend, and uh, this is Ultraman Zero and Ultraman Belial. Uh, facing off and this is oh, what yeah. i was talking about the orange and blue Ooh. effect that was all in vogue around the time of the release of this film um it's massively cluttered but not n- not ugly if you ask no me. um and that compositionally is... it's pretty well put together like if you were a yeah. little kid and you saw a poster of this brad you'd probably want to see that yeah that is sexy other than the dvd logo in the corner well speaking of sexy um heterosexual male speaking here but I have here a common writer, the next, featuring some hot guys. <laughs> and a man on fire who seems perfectly okay with being on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh so uh this movie this movie's directed by I think a uh a porn director. Uh it was very it was very shocking. I think I looked it up on IMDB and like all of his credits are just like softcore porn. And then he made this. It's like that's that's a weird left turn in his filmography, but you know everybody's got to start somewhere. But interesting. What's the director's name? Uh, he's Japanese fellow. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I think he did like some Kickle Kamen movies or something, which is basically like a superhero movie with a woman running around wearing a mask and very little else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is derived from a a children's show. Oh, which is. You know, it's only appropriate that you have a, a guy with a porn history direct at the helm of your children's television yeah. franchise. Um, interesting but yeah, choice there. In- very interesting choice. But yeah, you know, I, like, I just asked what his name was because I was going to make the, the the goof, the gag, 
Oh. Uh, when you said his name, I'd be like, oh, I'm familiar with his work. <laughs> well, sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't sorry. spike that particular ball. Sorry, right. I, I set you up. I, I fucked it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, these are all official Japanese DVDs. So as I said, they are Region Two. And let me actually check inside because uh, another thing that uh, Japanese distributors are often big on is uh, including uh, little goodies, like little trinkets and bonuses and stuff. Um, in this case. Got a unfoldable, like basically like a Ooh. I don't know a promo package that has Pretty details cool. of all the characters and settings yeah. and whatnot, and like some of the details about um, these are details. Yeah, this one. <laughs> these are details about the uh, thesis behind, like behind the actual production. Uh, basically, okay. they're like trying to take Ultraman, which is traditionally, you know cheap children's entertainment sci-fi television this is a theatrical production they were they were trying to elevate it so they actually brought in um, cgi artists um, from america uh, to do the special effects for it Uh, they brought in like top-notch choreographers to work on it so they have like a list of five points of things that they're trying to achieve um, over the course of elevating ultraman's uh, space in in the film industry and uh, this one just has some flyers for common rider merch um i actually did not pull one off the shelf it's another common rider movie common rider uh kabuto uh that has like dog tags like it comes with a oh. like a little metallic dog tag in inside the dvd case but okay yeah when it comes to packaging man japan japanese stuff they it's always pricey but they 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 give like they they are they are not shy about giving you little goodies and whatnot but um, all these movies are pretty fun, honestly. Like, uh, with the exception of this guy, uh, the other two are most decide like they're most assuredly like children's entertainment. It's not highbrow stuff. It's just like yeah, action action beat to action beat. Very little characterization. Just like the equivalent of spilling your your toy chest on the floor and just like smashing all your GI Joes into all your Transformers. It 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 delivers on that front, and also like from a special effects standpoint, like I said, they actually spared no expense for a change which is very rare in a uh, japanese cinema like mm-hmm. japanese cinema is traditionally produced on the cheap and these are too but that it's high effort uh, by their standards um this one is a mess like it is a total shitstorm of a movie like it it has this weird plot convention where they're telling a superhero story based on like 30 40 years of established franchise lore and stuff but parallel to that like occupying like roughly 50 percent of the screen time of the movie is a japanese horror movie just hmm. just they cut to it every once in a while where it's it's like the equivalent of like a, a jewel or, or like the ring or dark water or something it's about a a pop idol who got got set on fire and turned into a monster it's like how do these connect <laughs> like it doesn't it, it's it's like really i mean porn guy like he's he, not exactly the most adept at storytelling but thankfully the last like 10 15 minutes of it features some really awesome martial arts choreography and really incredible costume design actually like you can only hmm. see a little bit of it on the cover here um but the way they revamped the character designs for common rider and all the other common rider monsters and stuff it's really cool like like there's a character named a uh, scissors jaguar uh, who f- is basically the primary antagonist of it, and uh, Chainsaw Lizard. And uh, they have this, like, 
leather biker gear aesthetic going for it so try to imagine like a person wearing like biker gear that's also meant to be evocative of a chainsaw lizard and and it actually is quite stunning to look at that's largely why i was interested in the movie it was just like the costume design really jumped out at me but it is total fucking shitstorm of a story like the narrative is just completely fucking busted um yeah and it it's a it is what it is uh it was it was the second movie in an attempted like franchise and they they dumped it right after this one for obvious reasons <laughs> now, now what was the name of that one uh common rider the next and, and you said that one was a mess oh yeah and the the one prior to it was common rider the first so yeah. it's only natural that the next comes after the first <laughs> well the director of that one uh he's they've made some messes on uh some of his other films if you know what i'm saying <laughs> see i don't have a soundboard folks that's 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 for brad and his cinema speak podcast so if you, if you need if you need that you know where to find it yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah that's about all i had to say about those nice uh, now like i know you said because uh, at least two of those were children's films are those movies you watched as a child or no actually i i had uh i had a, a period in college when i I was really interested in this. That was kind of where it was crystallizing in my mind, like the things that I really enjoy about film. And a mm-hmm. lot of that was like me being honest with myself and being like, you know, acting and narrative is fun. But honestly, the thing I enjoy watching the most is stunt work and, and martial arts choreography and things like that. And so I, I went back to things. I found myself like going back to things that I, I grew up with, like Ultra, Ultraman. I did actually watch when i was a little kid um i watched one of the worst series of ultraman when i was a kid but i didn't know that because i was a little kid i i find that that's the case with a lot of things i grew up with like uh calling back to uh, santino and morbius um comic books in the 90s were fucking trash (laughs) but that's what i had and that's what i liked and so now i have all, all this nostalgia for stuff that is objectively objectively terrible (laughs) and i can acknowledge that i can be honest about that now but i didn't know any better at the time and same with ultraman i grew up watching the australian spinoff of ultraman (laughs) that was produced on the cheap and looked like total dog shit but again i didn't know any better so that was my ultraman growing up (laughs) um but yeah in college i I I was thought about and I was like, what combines a lot of the things I like? It's like, well, I was raised on Godzilla. I kind of liked Ultraman, and Tokusatsu is like a, a whole subgenre in in Japanese television and film that largely consists of stunt people wearing costumes with no no RoboCop mouth windows, and so it comes down to like pantomime acting, where it's a lot of yeah. posing, it's a lot of postures, it's a lot of martial arts and movement, uh, it's a lot of body language acting. So I found myself yeah. revisiting a lot of that and getting really into just like watching that and being very honest with myself that this is trash children's t- entertainment. Like this is not high brush. This is not yeah. stuff that you invite a girl over to watch with you. No, you, you, you introduce that way, way down the line, like years <laughs> after you guys have been together. <laughs> like You don't spring that on them on, on like date number two or three. You well, save that for years That's a skeleton you got to keep in the closet for a while. Yes, Brad. On, on, that's the I. I I understand this, that I was being honest with myself, but at the same time, it's like, I, I really do enjoy this stuff just because I, I like the movement aspect of it. I like the body language stuff. And so I, I, I just 
checked it out. I was like, what's going on now? Like, what's mm-hmm. Ultraman like now? So in college, I was actually like watching like parallel to the actual Japanese broadcast. I was u- taking advantage of that college torrent network and pirating a bunch of fucking Ultraman and Kamen Rider. And it was great. Yeah. I-, I got really into it. And I-, I find myself much like Gundam or something. I just like, I like, I call it uh, checking what the kids are up to. Like, yeah. Like, I still haven't watched it, but I'm curious about that uh, that kind of recent Power Rangers movie. It's not recent anymore, oh, but yeah. when I saw that marketed, I was like, I wonder, I wonder what producers think the kids want these days because it, it's <laughs> clearly not the same Power Rangers as as like 1995 or 93 or whenever that came out. Like, it's not mm-hmm. my Power Rangers. It's not meant to be my Power Rangers, but I'm still kind of curious, like what it's what it's turned into now. Um, so yeah, uh, these these were contemporary with when i was in college basically yeah you know uh i think i actually watched that australian ultraman series as well it was called ultramite right <laughs> ultramite <laughs> good day ultraman <laughs> uh, the subtitle for it was ultraman towards the future and it had oh. environmental themes because australian and because 90s that's what mm-hmm. was in vogue at the time and I think there were only like ten episodes or some shit, and like all the all the monster costuming and all the miniature work because it was like the B team, not even the B team, it was like the C team. Because like in the Japanese film industry, they have like decades of history building all this shit. Like they they have this down to a science. The Aussies they don't know shit about this stuff, so they're just making it up as they go, and yeah. it looked like Ultraman is typically like a rubberized kind of like almost like a a diving suit. Like it has a it has a a matte finish to it. It looks pretty classy. Like, see what I'm talking about here, Brad? Like, see oh, how yeah. he's like he's, he has that smooth body look to him. He's, he's oh, a, yeah. he has that oh, yeah. that smooth toneless baby body look to him. Ultraman That's towards nice. the future was a little paunchy, and he had like fucking spandex, so you could see every little lump and every roll in him. And he didn't move very well, and the monsters looked like shit. And the special effects, like like the optical effects and stuff, were, again, from the C-team, so none of it looked good. But you better believe I had that Super Nintendo game and, and all the toys and shit. <laughs> but yeah, it is not easy to look back on. Oh, actually, it is kind of fun to look back on now, because, like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> but again, I didn't know. How could I have known? Hey, I, 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 think, I think you're going to have to cut this out. I think that uh, Ultraman series was... Better than a kick up the backside. <laughs> <laughs> nope, done. Done. I just looked up Australian expressions. Uh, no. Okay. I'll, well, I will cut that out for you, Brad. No, I mean, you can leave it in. That. Yeah, it's, it's just, okay. In that case, it's staying in. <laughs> I think I we have care. a few Australian listeners. Maybe they'll get a kick out of that. I'm yeah. sorry for shitting on your Ultraman for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think they'll listen. If they're offended on it based on that. Yeah, see, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brad. That's enough uh, Ultraman. Enough uh, men in rubber suits fighting each other. All right. Let's do another. Uh, you know, I, I last time I did a three for one. Let's do another three for one. Why not? Who cares? Uh, I guess, I'll, although this one's a bit of a one for three. Um, and this one is a Vinegar Syndrome re- release, which. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome, I would say, they're pretty consistent with their artwork. Usually they have pretty good artwork. They only they got a few duds, nothing usually nothing too bad, but I, I like this one a lot. And I've we've t- I've told you about this set. You're probably sick of this, but I don't think I've ever brought it up on here. 
Uh, and it is the Homegrown Horrors Volume 1 set, which comes with three movies, and each of them are represented here on the box set. And then you've got the three movies there on the spine. I don't know. I, I think that's a nice way to split up the cover. It's I, I like that it's actually, like, designated with three different movies. It's not, like, three images jumbled together. Like, Trevor, you want to see... Of this, but a version done not good at all. Look up their televised terror box set. The artwork on that is atrocious. Um, I mean, the box, I actually do, the box on that one still is pretty good because, like, when you lift it up, it says, like, something like, something like, please rewind or no, it wouldn't be rewind. I don't know. Like, losing signal. I don't know. But that, that part's cool. But the actual artwork on the front is bad. It's gross. Oh. Oh no! Yeah, is that like that kid looks like Elijah Wood with a bowl cut or some shit? It is. It is him. <laughs> it is him. Okay, it, it is him. Uh, Elijah Wood or not, that is not good. Yeah, it's a stinker. I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's just like they have very they set the bar pretty high with a lot of their releases. So, like mm-hmm. speaking from that perspective, that is that is they they did not spare no expense. <laughs> yeah. But this one uh, is done by the Dude Designs, uh, and some of his stuff, like, some of his artwork, like, you know, I'm a big Middle Mills fan. His stuff can be a little much sometimes, but I, I like them all here. Uh, like, here you got the look of Fatal Exam. just feels ultra, very light. Is there even a disc in here? Yep. Okay, thank God. <laughs> that was like, it's bad. a little late to, to complain about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it should, it was in there at some point. I've actually watched it, but, uh, I mean, I'm like, oh, shoot, did I misplace this? <laughs> and we got uh, Beyond Dream's Door right there. And we have uh, Winter Beast, which I like this one because the more you look at it, you kind of, like, I didn't notice that he was actually ripping somebody's head off there. You can kind of. Oh, fucking sweet. Yeah, it took me a little while. It, it wasn't until I watched the movie that I actually was like, oh, he's. That's that's when he rips that guy's head off. Um, so yeah, this homegrown horror set, all uh, regionally made, low budget horror films. I think they're all from the eighties or maybe, uh, late eighties, early nineties. Actually, they might all be from the early nineties. But anyway, um, you know, all kind of from that era, and all very low budget, obviously. But there's a lot of charm to them each, and uh, I kind of enjoyed all of them. I know. From what I read, everyone said Fatal Exam is the stinker of the bunch. Um, and it does lose points because it is the longest. It is close to two hours. But it's actually got a lot of cool elements to it that I like. And uh, it was kind of the one that's a li- kind of the most grounded, I guess. So, you know, the other ones, you've got some real low-budget special effects stuff going on, which is cool. Like, Winter Beast has the, the stop-motion animation which is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then uh, Beyond Dream's Door, I would probably say is like the most competently made of the bunch, like for its, what I'm assuming is its budget. And I believe that one is like an Ohio made film. It looks great. And it, you know, there's some uh, interesting camera work there where it actually feels like you're kind of watching like, you know, a legit, you know, studio backed horror film from back in the day. Um, but they all have their charms. There's lots of bonus features on uh, this set. And I, I love the box. Like, Vinegar Syndrome, their box sets are just amazing. I, whether the artwork is good or bad, they have such great box sets. Um, and um, 
I don't know if I I don't think I ordered any box sets in my upcoming Black Friday order. Um but next time baby, next time. <laughs> Very nice. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad to use this opportunity to show that one off cuz like yeah. when when I when I saw that one on a uh, Brad's YouTube channel I was very impressed with the package of that. And also folks at home, like if you're watching the YouTube version, um, the the streaks, like the scars sliced into the box, they're of a different material, right? Um like it has no, like a fuzzy quality to it or something? No, they're just made to look like that. There is like a little bit of some like embossing on the uh image here. Like the homegrown horrors very are slightly nice. the very letters nice. are slightly raised. Um but no, the 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 scratches are just kinda made to look like that. But yeah, like the font has got a little, um, it's a little bit of a different material up there on okay. the edge. They, you know, there you can feel the difference there. Very cool. Um, so. so there is one other special feature of that box bread that I would very much appreciate if you could demonstrate to the viewers at home and listeners as well. Uh, in this case, could you please give me some some oh, open yeah. and close yeah. action, some in out on that? I don't know if you can hear it, but <laughs> it's coming through on my end. Ah. Uh! Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, real nice. That's, oh, uh, yeah, the, that, that's some that's some good in out action on that cover. Just feels good. Just feels good. It just feels good. <laughs> I could totally see you just like sitting on the couch watching an unrelated movie. Just, just <laughs> honestly, I don't, I don't know what that like. Is there is there like a word for that tick? But I, I do like shit like that all the time. Like I mean, I'll be sitting there. Like, the playing with like the back f- of the remote kind of thing you know yeah the kids these days are fucking perverts like each and every one of them brad like like it, it baffles me how many subcategories and subgenres there are for things like everybody's so obsessed with categorization such that we have things like asmr now <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like somebody put a label on it and like collated it in some way that's like oh no it's a, it's a thing now it's like i would not be surprised if if there is some sort of form of stimulation with a like with a title and a label and everything that just just involves opening and closing a thing or like yeah. finagling a what's it because yeah. yeah no I, I know what you mean about opening and closing the battery compartment on like yeah. a remote i i still do that like i, do I don't know whether i don't know what it is but i, I do that shit too There's something oddly satisfying about it i don't know what it is yeah satisfying is the word but yeah but very handsome package i i was actually a really interested in winter beast because like you said I, I did watch like a not a full-blown trailer but i just saw like a clip of it and i saw the the stop motion and i'm a i'm a sucker for that i absolutely love that stuff um i'm still trying to find a way to to watch a phil Tippett's movie uh, i forget the name of it but it's been this like decades long gestating like stop motion patreon backed like mm. stop motion production from one of the masters of stop motion and it looks fucking awesome but i don't know how to get it and <laughs> it's kind of pissing me off because i i'm trying my best to not forget about it because it seems mm-hmm. like something that would be really awesome for me in particular I just don't know how to get it because like if you go to the website it's like okay it's available can i here's my money can i have it it's like nope <laughs> it's like oh well fuck you too phil tippett just try like getting his email or something an email (laughs) (laughs) dear phil (laughs) i would very much like to see your stop motion movie (laughs) here's some money (laughs) (laughs) oh but that's cool Uh, vinegar syndrome always does great work and that that is one of the most handsome packages i've seen uh that they've put out in recent years so i'm I'm glad you you actually took it upon yourself to watch those like almost right away 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was one because it just came out earlier this year, and uh, it would have been on sale this past uh, Black Friday sale, but I bought it during the halfway to Black Friday sale when it actually wasn't even on sale. But I was like, I I couldn't wait. I I had to pop on it, and I'm I'm glad I did. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, well, I suppose the uh, ball is to me. So, uh, it's not a vinegar syndrome release, but it's a uh, it's horror related. So you had your homegrown horror. So I will uh, follow that up with a pair, uh, soon to be a trio. Uh, I have no idea when uh when it'll actually be released, but uh, there will be a trio eventually. Uh of uh horror documentaries and so these would be the in search of darkness uh blu-rays yes yes so this is the first one and this is like mm-hmm. a four-hour documentary exploring uh 80s horror films and then we have here complete with slipcover uh in search of darkness part two um, which oh, is i like that quite ambitious like like that is stunning cover art yeah. if you ask me like the first one is is solid for sure but you can tell that a lot of the elements in it are directly lifted from source material. Yeah. And then it has yeah. the kind of like overplayed like Tron like laser thing that accompanies everything synthwave or eighties oriented. Yeah. But this one is totally original and it's stunning. Like it looked That's good. It is a work of art, if you ask me. Um yeah. but let me see if it's actually the same on the disc itself. But yeah, these were a four hour documentaries a piece and uh they actually have a third one uh that i i paid into so i'll also be getting the blu-ray for that but like i said i don't know when i'll actually get the disc uh but should be of comparable length uh, and depth mm-hmm. uh, i was impressed with the other two they're nice but i don't know that i would consider them to be of the same standard of quality as the uh nightmare on elm street and uh, Friday the 13th documentaries that are also of comparable length. Those are very comprehensive in ways that these can't be because these are exploring an entire decade's worth of, of, of a genre. So it's like, there's a reason they're making three of them is because yeah. there's unlimited horror movies, like even beyond a decade, like just within a year, there's too much shit to talk about. Whereas just exploring a singular franchise, I feel that those were better equipped to be more comprehensive and I think it says a lot that I've watched both of those documentaries multiple times. Uh, wow, really? Yeah, it definitely says something. That's that's quite the fucking sit. <laughs> Four hours apiece. Uh, oh, shit, that's right. Uh, I, I fucking forgot. <laughs> so, uh, In Search of Darkness Part 2. This is the slip cover. Yeah. The actual cover, for, for me personally, I had a choice in the matter, is... <laughs> The Cinemassacre edition, <laughs> which is, of course, featuring uh, webcams are hard, Brad. Uh, James Rolfe, the angry mm. video game nerd himself, uh, who, who is, I, I, I own his movie. I got it autographed. Uh, long, yeah. long been a fan of this guy. Um, and what's always been really interesting about him in particular is that he kind of, like the, the YouTube thing, the angry video game nerd thing was that was a choice made by the audience. Like that was a thing that he did for fun and it just took off and it became so, so wildly popular. That's like, I guess I'm that guy now, Mm -hmm. but like his true passion is mostly this stuff. Like it's mostly like not just horror, but like the history of horror. 
like in casual in casual conversations and in interviews he talks at length about like the silent era of horror films and the universal era of like monster movies and stuff like he's like borderline film historian when it comes to the genre um and in fact like his own movies there's a reason why his production company is called cinemassacre is because his his actual passion when it comes to film lies in the horror genre uh, so I think it's really neat that they tapped him for some interviews for this because he, I mean, I've I've sent you videos of his basement, Brad. Like like the mm-hmm. man, the man knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally I totally forgot about that. Um, I did watch the I did watch both of these. Um, but I it's been a long time, obviously, since I opened this up. But I'm I'm very excited to check out the third one. Uh, I think the. I think there's going to be like diminished returns when it comes to that third one because uh, it's it's inevitable. I mean, the first one is the one that hit all the all the the major films from the 80s. The second one was the one that covered the leftovers and then the third one, I think the theme is like direct to video horror. Oh, which, which okay. could unearth some like hidden gems. Uh, but in terms of like the the big ones, in terms of like talking about the ones people generally get excited about, I I think they already they're already tapped out on that front. But who knows? Maybe maybe they'll uncover some stuff that I can get excited about. But yeah, yeah. These, these I was they're they're all expensive because you have to like pay into the Patreon or whatever. Um, they give you lots of freebies though. Like I got some pins and some posters out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I was very, I was very impressed with these, um, and also the covers aren't half bad as well. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Yeah, I, I, I would like to watch these at some point as well. I honestly, I don't know the, I see what you're saying where diminished returns kind of thing, but could potentially be like you know the first one hitting the heavy hitter is, you know, I'm sure it's good, but could be a little obvious, especially if you're somebody who knows those films to a certain degree already. Whereas when you start to get to the really bottom of the barrel, the direct-to-video stuff, and like a four-hour documentary about those, like you could f- learn some real interesting stuff and like find some films that maybe you never even heard of. Like there, there, there could be some pretty uh, unique ways to take that. But I, I do agree that in terms of the interest level, uh, it, the, you know, just the first one obviously has those iconic films that are just inherently going to be a little more you know i guess uh grabbing they're gonna they're gonna grab you a little harder i guess yeah no you're absolutely right though like there there could be some really cool shit waiting for us in that third one um because like i said the 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 amount of horror films that come out within even a single calendar year is staggering like let alone Mm -hmm. an entire decade so i'm sure there's a lot out there to talk about but um i will point out brad in case you're interested in picking either of these up uh, the second one uh, puts a special focus on international horror uh, and has like quite a bit of time devoted to talking about giallo films um, and not just giallo but Ita- italian horror in general uh, so yeah that, that could be fun for you in particular i do love italian horror i, I know, know you do sploosh well cool man yeah th- th- those are those are some good picks and i do like those artworks so all right. Well, ball is to you, sir. What you got next? All right. Well, right before we started recording, or I don't think we'd restarted yet, I grabbed something off the shelf, and I said this could be the, my uh, controversial choice. This is a choice out of left field. And, uh, I mean, some people could look at these, this artwork, this cover, 
and think it's gross. I, 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 I can understand that. But I just, there's something about it that just works. And I'll tell you why. It's the consistency. Let me actually grab another one to, so we can have two examples. Uh, let's, grab, let's grab this one right here. Okay. So I'm highlighting the individual Blu-ray releases of the James Bond films. Oh, shit. <laughs> do not have, you know, theatrical poster. I love how these are just a still image from the movie, the white bottom with the title, with, I believe, the font. Uh, when you when you get all these together, like, that makes... They look so... Like, just if you have one of these, it's kind of like, what? This looks like crap. This sucks. But when when you have every single one together and they stick to that, it's like, you know, when you do something bad once, like you go on stage and you bomb, like you're a comic and you go on stage and you bomb, well, then that sucks. But if you go up and you bomb again and again and again, you bomb every night, eventually that becomes your your bit. That becomes your gag. And this one, yeah, you get on three of these, it kind of looks lame, sucks. But when you got them all and they hold to that consistency – and they've got the the spines, just the black, with the white title. Mm, I think it is nice. I would much rather have this than a new commissioned artwork, like with like something that might look aesthetically better on its own, but not matching up with every single other film in the Bond franchise. I I, I love this. Even the backs, the backs are all the same. I I mean, this is just. This gets the consistency award right here. The only place where they lose it is I don't remember where they stopped. I think you can get Casino Royale like this. I think Quantum of Solace. And I think that might be the last one, which is a bummer because, like, obviously I'll be picking up No Time to Die on 4K. But, you know, would I also potentially buy the $10 Blu-ray disc? If it was set up just like this, I probably would. Actually, there's no probably about it. I would. I would 100% would. <laughs> if they put it, if they put out all the Daniel Craig films like this, I 100% would buy them. Um, like that, because and these are cheap. These are dirt cheap. I love. Mm, these are great. I love these. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Brett. I actually hadn't seen uh, that that particular style style of cover art for the Bond mm-hmm. movies, but. No. I could totally see like if you if you did have every single Bond movie like and lay lay it out end end facing outward like lining like lining like a portion of the wall or something like just lengthwise. I think that would be really striking. It, it, yeah. it, would, it would look really awesome. It's curious though because like like the arrangement like the composition is is very consistent, but the fonts aren't. Mm-hmm. Like they maintain the logo design for each of the individual films. So, like, in terms of, like, if you look at just the spines or just the covers, just the white portion of the covers, it's, like, going to be radically different from from film to film. Uh, But at least the layout is very consistent. But I'm glad you pointed these out because uh, the the Daniel Craig movies, like, each and every one of them look like total fucking shit. They're gross. Dog shit. They're uh, gross. All of his movies. Like, I hate to say it, but, like, I, I... I tend to like 
I tend to be fairly kind to Quantum of Solace. I don't think it's a good movie by any means, but I don't think it should be shat on as badly as it has been. Like, um, I want to say that might be the best cover of Craig's tenure, honestly. Just him and Olga Kurlenko looking all dirty in the in the smoke, like in the desert or whatever. Yeah. Like, that one's okay. And Casino Royale has multiple covers, some of which look better than others. The one with him on the steps and with... Uh, would, there's like a figure in the background that one at least at least the color of it looks all right but it's fairly bland skyfall is like incomprehensible it's just like the position that the pose they have him in it's just like what's going on like yeah. it, like is he like is he like sliding down a, a, a sandy hill and shooting at people like what the fuck is that and then specter again it's just it's just him like doing that and then I don't I don't know who decided the uh, the skull mask needed to be a huge part of the marketing for that movie. I know that I know that was very confusing for a lot of people because mm-hmm. it's featured very prominently in the marketing for that film. It's like it's like the first five minutes, if that. It's like it he walks while wearing that mask. He doesn't even do anything while wearing that mask. And then uh, even the the cover for No Time to Die, uh, I've seen the advanced like review copies of it and it's just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's doing the bigfoot pose or whatever like i don't know what the fuck went wrong with the design department when it comes to daniel craig's bond movies but i I'm, i haven't been happy with the covers for any of them yeah very uninspired and that's the thing you know very uninspired but it seems like they almost tried which is that that's the issue here with these there it's so great because in some ways it doesn't even seem like they tried and that's the genius of it it's just like what like what what should we make our Bond covers look like? Just, I don't know. I'll take a random image from the movie, put the title on a white background underneath. You're good. You're done. And it's like wow, it's it's pretty lazy, but I, <laughs> genius, <laughs> genius. And some of the like uh, the the images they choose, you know, you think like okay, we're gonna pick an iconic image from this movie, like you know the gold the Goldfinger one. Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably what you would go with right there. I, of course. Um, but like, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, this scene is not what I think of in live and let die. No, no. And, and Roger Moore looks airbrushed to shit in that, in that shot. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's radically inconsistent in, in what stills they pick there. Cause like, yeah, that's just like Pierce Brosnan at the archives or whatever in Goldeneye. And like, sometimes he's in bed shirtless. Sometimes he's hanging out with dead chicks that's what I want on the cover of my fucking Bond movie. Bond stroking the ass of a dead woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, yep, yep. We don't need Oddjob. We don't need Goldfinger. We don't need Pussy Galore. It's like, nope, we need a dead chick on the cover. That's how we'll sell this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, you know, it's some odd choices at times. I think, uh, I won't grab it, but I think like the Octopussy cover is another weird one. Um, but you know, I just, I, I, I love it. I love these. I just, not to put you on the spot too harshly here, Brad, but I'm I'm curious if you can think of like an official bond poster that, that jumps out at you that you happen to like or anything. Mm, Boy, I'm trying to think, uh, I'm going to say no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's an honest answer. I mean, honestly, the only ones that like really come to mind off the top of my head are a lot of the Pierce Brosnan ones, none of which I think are very good. So I'm not going to cite those, but I at least remember those. And then of course, most of these movies came out before you and I were born. So it's, 
not exactly going to be crystallized in our brains, but I think it was a for your eyes only is the one with the, the, the lady's butt. It's like the cameras mm-hmm. between her legs. Um, that one. Oh yeah. Compositionally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's God damn it, Brad. I hate it when I do this. It's cheeky composition. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, it's pretty good. And then the octopusy one is like the multi-armed woman, like hugging him from behind and stuff. Like, I don't think that's particularly good, but I at least remember that one. But yeah, for for your eyes only, I do remember that one being kind of cute at the very least. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I think uh, I'm trying to pull it up now is, uh, let me pull it up so I don't embarrass myself. Yeah, the one uh, Live and Let Die. Uh, that one's not bad because the, wim- the women uh, and like uh, a couple of the henchmen has- on the cards behind him like they're fanned out like a deck of are they like like tarot cards or something in the movie i don't even know but, some voodoo fucking magic man yeah yeah <laughs> that one's that one's pretty good and you got the you got the, the the alligator or the croc or whatever it is on the bottom that one's pretty good also uh you got a view to a kill is a pretty bad uh, one where he's on the on the bridge there. yeah that one i remember very well because that was one of the that was the only Bond movie we had in my house, actually, was we had a VHS of that. Wow. And somehow what? you still managed to be a fan. Good I know. You. Basically the worst one until Die Another Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I like that. Uh, I like those Blu-rays. And if they do, I'm sure at some point these will get upgraded to 4K. I'm sure they'll do a box set sort of thing. But I wouldn't mind individual releases exactly like this maybe just change you know pick a different image from the movie you know pick yeah. just pick another random image doesn't matter they should what they should do this would be the best pick whatever the image like you know the screen capture at 21 minutes and 54 seconds in every movie and put that on the image of the, the artwork like that that's where the consistency is it's that moment in the, every single movie and that's what you get i'd like that yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I think it's very appropriate that you you mentioned like a, a comparison to a stand up comic bomb, bombing consistently. <laughs> it's like we're not we're not here to knock your socks off. We're just here to to do what we do, and mm-hmm. if we do it long enough, you'll appreciate it. And yeah, clearly it worked out. Um, but yeah, that that is it's it's simple, but it it does it's cozy. It works. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I mean, the only issue, of course, is that I. Uh would not sort these t- together on the shelf. So you get a bit of an issue there, but if you want to go that route, yeah, I mean, feel free. You can, you can do whatever you want, but I, I separate them alphabetically. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Brad and I have debates back and forth. Well, not, it's more just you chastising me <laughs> about, about my organization technique. Um, but yeah, everybody has their own system. Yeah. Well, you, you got the box, so you don't need to worry about it. <laughs> hopefully brad doesn't like have an aneurysm or something like when he gets a close-up of my shelf someday it's like, <laughs> all out of order <laughs> like, that shouldn't be <laughs> yeah. okay well I-, I suppose the ball is to me and it's funny i'm noticing i'm not going to talk about it right now because i want to change things up but um i have noticed that stunning number of my picks involve just people's faces just like a face as the cover and it's like huh i didn't i didn't actually intend to do that but it's interesting that recurs so often but um i'm picking this one because i think it's a compelling image um actually compositionally now that i look at it's like it's 
I think it's objectively good, uh, but it's like one of those things. It's a cover that draws you in, um, but it's not loud. Um, it's pretty subtle. But anyway, I have here, uh, with the exception of those documentaries I talked about, I guess we're just talking about Japanese movies today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have here uh, The Resurrection of Golden Wolf. Uh, Yomigairu okay, yeah. Kinro, uh, starring uh, Yusaku Matsuda and his abs. And uh, Sunny Chiba has a small role in it. Um, but this is very much a Yusaku Matsuda uh, headlined film. Uh, I sought this movie out, and this is actually an official Western release. Uh, this is a Region 1 from... Uh, who put this out? Ad- Adness. I know... <laughs> sure. News uh, to me. Yeah, or, or Ventura, maybe. Um, either way, it's a, it's not a big distribution house, but I've, I have seen them put out other Japanese films in the past. But I sought this movie out because I... I was really, really keen on this guy, on this actor, um, when, also when I was in college. Um, and I was really interested to check out more of his work uh, because uh, my first exposure to him came in the form of the video game uh, Onimusha 2. Uh, are you familiar with Onimusha at all, Brad? I don't think so. Okay, it was a, a PS2-era uh, franchise from Capcom. So some of the same people who worked on Resident Evil, mm. um, but in the PS2 era, and it's... a uh, it's an awesome concept. It's like why why did we why did we dump this franchise? It's it prints money. It it prints money. Onimusha is basically feudal Japan, so samurai versus demons and zombies. So it's like Resident Evil, but you have a katana and instead of a gun. Yeah, that's and, fun. And they really play up the horror element. Um, and it's gory fucking action game. It, it they're all good. And then on top of that. Uh, they actually kind of were winking at you with the game design by um, it was an early example of having like actual celebrities in a game. Uh, so the first one had uh, Takeshi, uh, Takeshi Kitano, uh, who's a Jap- Japanese Chinese actor. He he works in both regions and multiple languages. Um, they brought Jean Renault in for the third one because uh, he's very popular in Japan. And then for the second one, Yusaku Matsuda was uh, at he was the protagonist in the game now what's weird about that is that this fella died in the 80s and the ps2 was not around in the 80s so they 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 grand morph tarkened him into the game wow. <laughs> um, they were even doing that back then they were even doing that back then but that just shows how fucking cool this guy was that they they felt the need to contact his his estate basically and and obtain the right to use his likeness um, and yeah, he plays the protagonist in Onimusha 2. He was an absolutely incredible actor. He had a, I think the the phrase in Japanese, it's a word, uh, shibumi, which is basically like, it's like cold, like, yeah, it's like cold, distant coolness, where it's just like, it's just like being cool without trying. Yeah. And he just had that in spades. He was just a cool fucking dude. And on top of that, he was like mixed ethnic heritage. I think he was part Korean. He was a he moonlighted as a boxer and an actor. Uh, he had a really successful detective television series in the 70s. And uh, I finally got around to seeing him in a starring role in a film in college uh, called uh, Family Game, uh, Kazoku Gameu. And he was absolutely incredible in that. When he slaps that kid, I was like, yeah, that's that's some of that acting shit right there. <laughs> um, but this movie I sought out on my own. I actually watched 
a family game for for class but this one i sought out on my own because if you look up a trailer for this shit brad it's just like that is the coolest human being that has ever been it's like he's got a big big fucking wiry japanese afro he's running around like a fucking biker suit we have just random shots of him hitting a heavy bag intercut into the action there's a scene where he's like eating a mango and banging a chick at the same time oh yeah anti-smoking at the same time it's like this is the coolest human being that has ever been so i was like (laughs) i must see this film it doesn't even matter if it's good i just want to see it uh so i watched it it's fine (laughs) it's 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 fine he's awesome in it but it's it's very much like a i don't know one of the it's a performance movie where it's just like joaquin phoenix and joker where it's like movies it's fine Mm -hmm. but that performance is pretty fucking awesome um he's the reason to watch it yeah no he is absolutely the reason to watch this film uh the soundtrack is fuck it's a banger it's uh late late 70s or early 80s uh, japanese disco it's mm. the theme song in particular is is kick fucking ass like it it's if that if i wanted a theme song that i could play driving up and down the street like that that would be my theme song uh when I was in college, I used to blast the theme of Jason the Argonauts out my window. <laughs> you should look that up, Fred, just so you have an idea of what that actually sounds like, how fucking dorky that is. But yeah, yeah, but yeah. I I think this cover is is striking, just be just because he is an individual is striking, but just like the composition with the lighting and then the background looking like a target range or something, and even the title, it's just like I don't fucking know what that means. I still don't fucking know what that means, and I've seen the movie. <laughs> but yeah uh, i'm really happy i sought this one out because uh, he's one of those guys that uh he he was special he had kind of some of that like james dean energy to him or something um, yeah his last film was black rain uh, the ridley scott film uh, he passed away oh, okay. i think at the tail end of production he completed his role but he like had i think it was gallbladder cancer uh, and okay. he was like he was thin and in a lot of pain on the set but it just flawlessly cool just like effortlessly cool he kept showing up much like Raul Julia and Street Fighter he just kept showing up anyway even though yeah his, his health was declining was he fairly young at the time not not like tra- not like super tragically young but I think he was no later than his early 40s yeah he was pretty young and, Still and it was his first uh english language film so it was a, it was a really big deal because like for for japanese actors like especially in that era in the in, i think it was the late 80s um that was not something that you got there weren't many gigs on offer um so it was very special to him there's a reason why he kept showing up to set i mean for fuck's sake it's a ridley scott movie <laughs> like like and you know it's a, a chance for a japanese actor to work in a in a english language hollywood film directed by a guy who's still cranking out bangers yeah yeah so this guy his main era like he was kind of like in the 80s is that yeah uh i yeah. think i think he came to prominence in the early 70s uh he had a tv show called a uh, tante monogatari so like detective story basically mm. uh, i think that was the early 70s and then this movie was like 79 or 80 on the nose and yeah he was largely active in those decades yeah. Oh, that's uh, I. I don't think I've ever heard of him. So, I mean, if you if you just want to see a cool dude be awesome, like just look him up. <laughs> like, um, yeah. fa- Family Game in particular uh, is a stellar film. Like, absolutely awesome. Uh, it's one of those movies that I don't own because it's actually good. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't watch good movies. That one I had to watch for for school. Yeah, um, but I I will say this much: it's very very good, and he's excellent in it. Like I said, mm-hmm. when he hits that kid, man, <laughs> I was like sold. <laughs> I yeah. like this guy. <laughs> just uh, you know, I just want to say uh, so you don't get any trouble legally. Let's just put this out there, please. Nobody take that clip of you saying when he hit that kid sold and use it in any other sort of context. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Brad. Don't you dare put that on your soundboard. <laughs> I don't worry. I did. That, that, that's a tough one to work into uh, usual rotations. But yeah, th- this is just an example of what I thought was a very compelling cover. Um, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, it, it it's... It doesn't give you a whole lot of information, but just the just the image itself. It's like I'm curious after mm-hmm. looking at that. But on top of that, though, it also serves as an example of a film and a and a person in the film industry that I every once in a while I just make I just kind of decide uh, to explore more of their work. Um, so I'm curious, like if you have any people like that, like any actors or directors that you just like decide one day it's like you know i think i'm gonna do a deep dive on that guy or that gal yeah i mean it it happens uh quite a bit with me like i a lot with directors like i kind of um watch in waves where i will like take a director who i haven't really seen many of his films and over the course of several weeks or months kind of just go through and work through their filmography like i don't i don't do too often like i mean i guess that i guess it does happen but like watching just like one random like a, a director i've never seen and just pick like one random film from them their filmography and watch it like usually if i'm gonna like okay this is i'm i guess my most recent would be lucio fulci where it's like i'd never really seen any fulci films and uh i was like let's do it we're like everyone that is on a readily available on blu-ray or on shutter i'm going through and just going through them all, watching them all, and, uh, you know, so I, it's kind of a one way that I've kind of done it. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, yeah. I had my Fulci kick, and also, again, around college time, I was like, I, maybe I Googled eye trauma or something, yeah. <laughs> and it took me to Fulci Town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the place to go if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can make a, a, a transition if if you uh i mean this is a pretty good transition i mean actually Absolutely. it's a pretty pretty bad transition if you ask me um speaking of actors who have tragically passed away uh <laughs> um i <laughs> speaking about dead people i mean uh, hey we had golden dead girls we had cancer guy we as well keep it rolling <laughs> yeah um well uh let's move into uh somebody who tragically died of a drug overdose and it's my favorite actor, certainly of a certain generation, maybe of all time, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master with Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Adams. Love Philip Seymour Hoffman. That was a death where like really hit me. Like, you know, it's like I remember I remember where I was. I was driving and I was driving. I was my friend was in the car and our friend knew I was in I was in a real Hoffman kick at the time. We had a group of friends, and it was February, I believe, when he died. It was the night of the Super Bowl. Like I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's just like I remember it all. Um, we had done a thing 
where we um, would do Secret Santa with our friends. And I can't remember if it was that previous Christmas or the one before, but one year I did a thing where I'm like, whoever I get for Secret Santa, they're getting a movie from this actor, and I'm going to pair it with their the person's personality. So one year I did Jeff Daniels, and the other year I did Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm like, I'll find the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie that pairs with the person I get. I'm like, so somebody's getting a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie. Somebody's getting a Jeff Daniels movie. So, you know, if it's somebody who's, like, goofy and a lot of fun for the Jeff Daniels, they'd get Dumb and Dumber. If they were, like, you know, somebody who's a little more, uh, you know, just, like, a, a nice, emotional, sensitive person, fly away home. You know, like that kind of thing. So, um, I, so I, was, I was pretty firmly planted as a fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman when he was the two years that I did that gag. He was one of the ones I chose. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the master probably his last like really great performance and really great film. Uh, I honestly, I think Joaquin Phoenix is the stronger performance in the movie, but I mean, what I love about this cover artwork is it's creative with the whole, like, uh, you know, uh, Rorschach test sort of thing going on here, but it also has basically everything you need in the movie here. You got the three actors, boom, 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 uh, filmed by Paul Thomas Anderson. I mean, that's, that's it. That's the selling, but you don't need to know anything more. And that's pretty much all you need to know. Um, but yeah, I, I do love the master. Uh, you know, it's one that I've always really liked. It took me a little while to, it's a movie you got to watch a few times to really kind of take everything in. Cause it's not, it's not an easy one to wrap your mind around what it's trying to get at. Cause it's, it's getting at a lot of different things. Um, but I've always, always found it very compelling. Also holds a bit of a special place in my heart. Cause it's the first movie I ever saw in theaters by myself. And, uh, you know, I think it was freshman year of college and this movie came out and I'm like, I don't know. None of my, I don't know anybody who wants to go see this with me. How am I, I going to sell this movie to, you know, these, these people who are partying in the dorms? Hey, you want to go watch the master? What the hell's that? Um, so I went in by myself and it changed my life. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love the master and, uh, I'm a big fan of, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's an actor who, yeah, you know, every once in a while it's kind of like popping another one of his movies, and I haven't seen all his films, but almost almost always you watch something with him, and he's so great in it, even like the smallest roles. So it's kind of thing where I don't want to watch all of his movies because I want to keep holding on to those little treats, and, you know, it's always nice to get a new one every once in a while. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, you've mentioned it before. Uh, I'm not sure if it was on on this particular program, but uh, you you spoke incredibly highly of it, such that I think you said it was like, is it your favorite PTA movie? Uh no, no. no. I mean, I was probably gushing about it, but for PTA, that still is like his fifth best film or something. <laughs> well, it, it's also timely you bring it up though, because uh, Licorice Pizza's. I think is it like wide release yet? Not yet. Yeah. Um, but of course, that one I don't know. If, you know, it stars as Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Yeah, that's which right. Which is pretty pretty cool. Yeah. No, very very timely. We bring that up. But yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson's just one of those guys. It's just like man, talent is a thing, and he's got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's an incredible filmmaker. Like Magnolia, from an editing standpoint, I was just like, this is like big brain shit like like this is some next level big brain editing shit going on here that's like how the fuck did you 
managed to string all that together, make it that long, and yet I was never once bored or confused. Like that, it was masterclass kind of shit. And then, of course, mm-hmm. you and I have both talked about Boogie Nights. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know why this movie is so fucking watchable. <laughs> it deals with some of the scuzziest shit you can imagine, and yet mm-hmm. I've seen it a million times, and anytime it's on, I'll watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I have yet to see The Master, though. And it's funny, because you... You said it was like a, a special experience and that it was the first time you went to a theater alone. Uh, my first theater trip alone was Snake Eyes. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Starring Henry Golding. Well, they can't all be winners. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's also interesting because um, I actually had uh, like an acquaintance invite me out to go see The Master when it was in theaters. And oh, uh, that okay. person ended up being a flake. So that never happened. And as of yet, I have not seen that movie. So if that person hadn't flaked on me, maybe I would have seen a really, really awesome movie that would have set me down a different path. Maybe that would have gotten me to, you know, invest in good movies instead of Bloodsport (laughs) 1 through 4 and Undisputed 1 through 4. (laughs) But it is what it is. But no, I really, I really need to see The Master because... Like you said, the performances in it from from both of those folks. Oh yeah, by the way, Amy Adams is there too. I'm sure she's great. On top of that, um, so you have a fantastic director along with two incredible performers at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I really need to see that movie, um, especially because I have obvious appreciation for the director and Philip Seymour Hoffman is just a very special talent. Like he could do he could do anything. Like like he could be utterly hilarious, like Boogie Nights. It could be so dopey and fucking hilarious, <laughs> like just like effortlessly hilarious and, and pathetic. But then he could do like even in a movie that doesn't really call for a lot of acting ability, like Mission Impossible 3. It's like, whoa, he's trying. Nobody asked him to, but he's he showed up <laughs> like, yeah. like, what yeah. the fuck is this guy doing here? And then like Twister is like, what the fuck is this? Like he, he's 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 amazing in that. He's absolutely hilarious. And like. What was it? Along came Polly, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's fucking hilarious at that, and he can he can do anything. Um, in fact, uh, we did a month on catching up on cinema um, called Mo- Moving On March. Uh, it was mm-hmm. a, an entire month dedicated to watching films featuring people who had passed away, uh, many of whom had passed away fairly recently, and uh, we uh, we ended up spotlighting him with uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, and that's that's a performance film like there's a lot on offer there but he is probably the standout amongst that really oh, yeah. stellar cast he's just great as that like sleazy guy on the, the worst human being you yeah. can imagine oh, he's so good in that no he's amazing he's he's a terrific performer and it sounds yeah. like the master is a really incredible film that i really ought to get around to watching i mean for a guy who really was only working prolifically for you know about 20 years or so i mean he made a lot of great movies and a lot of great performances and you know part of it is goes to show like his ability as an actor like you know he got these great he got so many great directors casting him in their films like i mean you don't work with paul thomas anderson that many times unless you're good i'm sorry (laughs) i mean honestly yeah i mean and that also maybe suggests that he was not easy to work with but he he could find the right rhythm to work with those people because as we talked about with Ruby Ruby Rose, uh, if you're difficult to work with in the wrong way, people don't want to work with you again. They just mm-hmm. move on. But if 
if you show value and you show that you're able to communicate and, and find the right rhythm with, with those creators, then clearly, clearly he had some stuff going for him outside of his acting ability. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it's really unfortunately he passed though, because he obviously had so much to offer. Like could honestly could do anything, like any, any role like would have been, <laughs> I wonder what he would do in the MCU, Brad. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, it's, he, 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 you know, didn't live to see the day when movies died. So I guess <laughs> if there's any bright side, <laughs> yeah, maybe it, maybe maybe the time was right before Disney came a calling. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I one time where I was like just sad was I think it was the third Transformers movie had. John Malkovich and Francis McDormand. <laughs> yeah, that is the weirdest thing. Like, I don't yeah. know where that comes from. That that Michael Bay is so keen on like recruiting all the Coen Brothers people, like mm-hmm. all of them, like Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, like Francis McDormand, like everybody in the pool, <laughs> like yeah. everybody. Like he didn't get he didn't get Jeff Bridges or John Goodman out. The, no, he did get John Goodman. Trans- I was gonna he, say I don't. He did. Where he at? did. Uh, Transformers four and five. Uh, he does a voice on one of the. Autobots. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the one with the big gut and the beard. That's he, right. He, like I think he's on a mission to get literally all of the Coens' people. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that the Coens have broken up, uh, he, there's uh, at least uh, there's an end date. Unless he, now he's going to uh, go after all the the there's the individual movies. Maybe I don't know. I, I'm just. It's just the most baffling thing. It's just like why why <laughs> but I, it's funny because like I, I bring this up from time to time about acting that like sometimes you'll hear people be like critical of uh like some of robert de niro's more recent offerings um and like meryl streep doing like more family-oriented films and stuff it's like you need to understand though that acting is a transformative experience and for people that have been doing this job for this long, sometimes doing the thing that they haven't done, even if they do it badly in a shitty movie is enough to get them interested in doing that. Yeah. So like seeing those people act out of character and do these shitty family movies or whatever, it's like, that's actually more interesting for them on a personal level. So maybe the Cohen, the Cohen brothers cast actually enjoy making fucking idiots of themselves in the Transformers movie because they're never asked to do that. Like, maybe Frances McDormand enjoyed being in Transformers 3. Who Could knows? Be. She enjoyed the paycheck. That's that's true. That, I know that much. That's the heart of the matter there, yeah. <laughs> John Turturro, I'm sure, enjoyed a free trip to Cuba because yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he accepted that last gig in the Transformers movies is just so they could film like two shots of him at a phone booth in Cuba just because I think the embargo had been lifted and they could. <laughs> so it's like, we have unlimited money. I want to put a camera down in Cuba just so yeah. I can go to Cuba. <laughs> John Turturro, get in the boat. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Brad, uh, would you like me to go one more time? Or are you about tapped out? Uh, you can go one more. I, okay. I think I'll call it for mine, but you can throw one more down. Okay. Well, uh, being as I had mentioned it previously, I actually didn't really care to talk about this, but um, faces. I, I had mentioned faces as a as a recurring thing in uh, in the picks that I have here. So there are far too many of these, so I'm 
I'm just going to rattle them off real quick. This is like a speed round of sorts, I guess, prior to the actual speed round. <laughs> uh, so I have here... Uh, oh, by the way, uh, I misspoke earlier. Uh, Takeshi Kitano is Beat Takeshi, who is, of course, a Japanese actor and film director. Uh, Takeshi's Castle, uh, Most Extreme Challenge or whatever. That's a different person than who than the person who is in Onimusha. The one the fella in Onimusha is uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro. Uh, so okay. two different Takeshis. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it, it just it just popped into my head. I was like, I think that was the wrong K last <laughs> name. It has a K, but it's the wrong K. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so these are covers that uh, I found uh, provocative in some fashion, and they involve close-ups of people's faces. Uh, so. We have here uh, Takashi Miike's uh, Ichi the Killer, mm-hmm. uh, Koroshi Ichi, featuring uh, Japanese Brad Pitt, Tadanobu Asano, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the uh, Wellgo recent Blu-ray release, which is okay. a, like a digital painted version of the same cover art. Yeah. I think I prefer the photo, honestly, but the re- like the HD upgrade is worth it. Um, yeah, and more Japanese shit. It's that kind of day, Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I have a absolutely beat to shit um, DVD release of MD Geist, uh, which this cover art. Uh, there was a VHS of this at my local Blockbuster growing up. I'm sorry, Brad. When you, when you're a boy who's into Transformers and you're like, I don't know, seven years old, and you see fucking this on the shelf, you're just like, Mom, Mom, Mom. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Th- like, this is complete crap. I've, th- uh, Brad, I have threatened Kyle with this movie so many fucking times because it sucks. But, but this, just, 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 just look at it. Look at it. It's like a black okay, knight yeah. and a football player in one, mixed yeah, with heavy metal say, and shit. From a distance, I was getting some heavy football vibes, but now nah, up close, I see. I yeah, I can see it a little better. Yeah, yeah, but it it comes in one of these. uh really shitty like paper slash cardboard releases with the clamshell clasp thing and even has like the silver disc but oh look at the look at the guts look at the guts okay that was on the the back of the vhs for the uh the sequel um but yeah this cover again close-up of a face always thought like as a kid just seeing this i was just like i must see this (laughs) and then you watch it and you're just like that fucking sucked but i was really young so i wasn't using the f word yet um, I have uh, two different releases um, from the same director. Uh, more Japanese shit. Uh, so we have a, a Western release from Tokyo Shock um, of Mechanical Violator Hakider, and I absolutely okay. adore this cover. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. I actually, have a, a photo book of the like featuring production notes and like design materials for this movie, and uh, I I always have loved the lighting. And the just the costume design. It's really awesome looking. Simple, too. Mm-hmm. And then similar, but different perspective. Uh, Mirai Ninja, which translates to Future Ninja, uh, from the same director, which is uh, Keita Amemiya, uh, who is fucking amazing. Um, and just for novelty, I have a, a video CD, Brad. The only video CD I have. Um, I'm sure you have none of these, because I... If you can't stomach DVD, you most assuredly cannot stomach a VCD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is of Crying Fist, 
uh, which is a film that we actually talked about on Catching Up on Cinema. I actually went out of my way to obtain a actual DVD of this film uh, for that review because this video CD has terrible subtitles and uh, Kyle is a stickler for visual fidelity as well. He would not have been able to watch this whole movie. Like, he <laughs> he would have just choked me through the fucking internet. He'd just be like, Trevor, you gotta upgrade that shit. But I, I've always loved this cover. It's a uh, uh, Choi Min Shik, uh, old boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget, is that Ryu Sung Boom, maybe? Anyway, favorite Korean director, uh, Ryu Sung Won. Um, and this is a movie about boxing, which is very near and dear to my heart and i've always just loved this cover art because it's our two leading men and they look very jolly even though they look beat to shit on top of that <laughs> yeah yeah that's nice i like that yeah and we have a uh, a hong kong release of a uh, shamal which i've always thought this was a striking ass cover yeah um, the font the calligraphy the color arrangement uh the bloodshot eye in particular is really striking uh this is a movie about uh it's like kickboxing or MMA, but it's a it's based on a Japanese manga, but it's a Chinese film. Um, it's a it's it's a fun watch actually. It's a it's not highbrow cinema by any means, but uh, it's a Sean Yu I think is the the main actor in it. Uh, I was kind of interested in him for a minute there, but he's he I think he quit. <laughs> but yeah, I've always liked I've always liked the composition, the color arrangement of this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's a lot of fucking faces. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, there, there, there's some good looking faces in there, so no, no worries. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of that tonight. <laughs> okay, Brad. Well, uh, did you want to advance to the speed round? Yeah, I honestly uh, don't have many to list off here, but I'll I'll just go real quick. Um, Take a swing. I actually, I've only got two more here, um, but you know, speaking of. Cohen Brothers, I've got Fargo, which, uh, you know, obviously the iconic image of the body in the snow. This one actually, I don't know if you can tell, but it's like knitted. Like it's made to look like it's knitted, which is pretty nice. Oh, like that's that. adorable. That's I like cool. That. Yeah. I also like, I think Shout Factory put out another Blu ray of Fargo, and it's like the the car crash and this, the nighttime snow. That's a, that's a pretty good image. I like that one. And, uh, this last one here, where am I going here? Where am I going? Let me pull out another version of it for comparison, if I can find it here. We're reaching back. Okay. We got it. So, you know, you think of The Exorcist. I mean, have you seen The Exorcist? I guess you should ask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's the iconic image that comes to mind? A uh, man looking up at street lamp or whatever. Or illuminated by street lamp looking up at a house. It of course, which is a great image, iconic. But you know, it, it's a little too obvious. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like, I don't go that road. I, it's a little too like, you know, we've we've seen it, we've been there. We need to make something, we need to make something else from that movie iconic. So that's why, you know, this Exorcist complete anthology. Eh, it's a little inspired. I'm not not a big fan. It's it, just, you it, know, it's that image. I, I don't like the. I don't like the. Uh, it's not the stroke, but like the the glow on the font. Yeah, it it looks green. cheap in that way. Yeah, it combined combined with the the Blu-ray banner on the top. I know they have to do that, but it ruins the image. Honestly, not a fan. I agree, not yeah. a fan. Nice set, but just not not a fan. You know, 
We're yeah. not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Meh. What I will Meh. say, I got, I got this perfectly awesome cover of a bowl of split pea soup. It's <laughs> 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 so much better. Not quite that. We're not quite going there. But this release, which I think, actually, don't think this version has the uh, extended cut, or maybe it does. Okay, it does. So the the, the uh, this is just I own two versions of it basically. But I owned this version first, which was just the first Exorcist film, and it was the director's cut and the theatrical version. And I like this artwork. I like this. Just an image of the stairs. Ooh. I like that. I like this. That's tight. I like that. It's honestly, it's like just that image of the stairway kind of spooky like it's just so like understated and i don't know there's something well, and about you can it. see the street lamp too you so can yeah like but yep. no the composition of that the placement of the title and the, the shot composition of of the staircase that's mm. really awesome that almost like actually when you held it up i thought it was a book cover at first yeah but mm-hmm. either way it's a really compelling image even separated from the property like even separated from what it is like if you see that that's interesting like that looks mm. great yeah and I know, like, you know, the stairs are somewhat iconic from that movie, especially if you're a fan. But I, I think uh, if you go up to the average person and you started going off about the Exorcist stairs, you know, I'd say maybe maybe like 40% of people would know what you're talking about, maybe. I mean, but, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, that this image is the one that everybody would think of. The stairs are a little bit of a deeper cut. Not the deepest cut, but I, I like it. I like that, and I think it's a good choice for this version which is kind of you know why i partly well i also didn't know that this has everything in, but whatever <laughs> i've got both well hey it's not the worst movie to own twice honestly no not at all not at all but uh, <laughs> these days I, I hate to say it but i bet all the kids think of this the joker stairs or something instead yeah. <laughs> unfortunate but likely true yeah um, but yeah that's a really snazzy cover thanks yeah. for sharing that yeah that's all i got Okay, well, I'll try to be quick then. Uh, so I'm just going to rattle these guys off here. So these are uh, some compelling covers, I thought. Uh, so we have uh, Hideaki Anno's uh, Shin Gojira, which mm-hmm. is minimalist uh, with the embossing. Oh, that's, oh, it's that's awesome. part of the reason I bought it. It's fucking awesome. And it's actually an incredibly good movie on top of that. It, it, it worked out. Um <laughs> I have one film from a trilogy of Sonny Chiba films, uh, Karate Bullfighter, <laughs> which features a painted image of Sonny Chiba braining a fucking bull with his bare fucking hands. These movies are all fun. That is <laughs> compelling. That is yeah. compelling. I'll give you that. Yeah. They, um, what's this? Adnes. Adnes is back. Um, and Ventura. Adnes and Ventura. So same people that did the Resurrection of Golden Wolf. Uh Around the time uh, Kill Bill was coming out, uh, they started churning out uh, Sonny Chiba's old 1970s catalog of films on DVD. And these are very handsome packages, by the way. Um, handsome DVDs. Uh, and I was just gobbling this shit up uh, mm-hmm. when I was in high school. Like, I, Sonny Chiba was my guy. My brother always thought he was just the lame Japanese equivalent to Bruce Lee, like a Bruce Lee imitation. He he kind of was, but <laughs> I thought he was cool. Fuck off. <laughs> And uh, I'm actually kind of surprised I haven't shown this off on previous episodes because this is one of – this is not an amazing film. I've seen it exactly one time. I barely fucking remember this. But um, 
when I was in college, I was importing movies like crazy, as evidenced by pretty much all the movies I've talked about today, most of which came from that era of my my collecting habit. This movie, I don't remember. I don't remember it at all. Uh, but I just stumbled across it on the website uh, Yes Asia, uh, which is kind of my go-to for purchasing import movies. And uh, this is one of the most handsome packages I have on my wall. Like, this is one of the most awesome boxes I have. And I don't even remember the fucking movie. <laughs> uh, so this is a Korean film. And this is Region 3, which explains why I've only watched it once. I've only been capable of watching it once. And here's the front cover. Oh, wow. That is nice. And it's got gold Oof. highlights. It's it's all sorts. It has like a, I don't know, like a, a crusty paper texture to it. Yeah. And uh, this is MC Mong, uh, who in the early 2000s was a really popular rap artist in Korea. Um, he kind of got blacklisted, though, because he declined his mandatory military service. <laughs> so he was really awesome. Like, if you look up his music, he was a really awesome singer and musician. But we don't talk about him anymore because the Korean government got pissed at him. <laughs> um, but yeah, this movie, I, I think that I think it's pronounced like duk, Dukbang or Dukbang. Um, but it's, I think it translates to either like three fellas or like like river legend or something. But it's just about like three dudes who were badasses in high school who try to be who try to be badasses like amongst gangsters and stuff. And like mm-hmm. the big finale of it is like a bunch of like Korean mafia types like beating the shit out of teenagers in in a river <laughs> with their bare hands. Um but yeah, this thing includes like a sh- like a short movie like that was like a a trial run of the feature. It, could, it has the feature, it has like a whole fucking book about the production details. And it was like the same price as like the normal retail version of it. So I was just like, sure, I'll get that awesome box. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really awesome cover. It's just like you know, you're in college, you're hanging out with your friends. It's like I wish we looked like that. <laughs> we never actually did, but we tried. Yeah. <laughs> and I have an Australian Blu-ray, uh, Top Knot Detective, which is very loud and very, uh, I don't know, 1980s or late 1970s Japanese style. Uh, mm-hmm. I've talked about that before on the show. It's a fake documentary about a non-existent television series, kind of like a Spinal Tap, I guess. Okay. And it's it's hilarious. It's, yeah. it's really, it's made with a lot of love. Um wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a talk with Trevor without mention of Scott Adkins. I uh, have Triple Threat, which is much like uh, I mentioned about John Wick Four, basically me the movie, where it's just like this is a list of people that Brad, I'm sure, like, can you tell me if you recognize any of these names or, or at least- uh, Tony Ja? I know. Uh, is that Iku? Uh, who is from the is that the raid guy? Right. Yep. Uh. Scott Adkins. I'm not making out any other ones. Uh, Michael, oh, Michael Jai White. Yeah, Michael Jai White and yeah. Michael Bisping, who is a former UFC fighter from the UK. Um, this is a Jesse V. Johnson movie. He's made like probably a dozen movies with Scott Adkins at this point. He's his muse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this was a big deal for me. I actually saw this one night only in theaters with my brother and and some other folks. It was. It's exactly what I wanted. Like, it, it's not great. It's no one's best work. Like, there's a lot of talent in the film. It's no one's best work, but it's very satisfying if you're into that sort of thing. Psycho Goreman, because mm. Psycho Goreman, Drudoni mm-hmm. uh, Kenshin, uh, I Ooh. think this is Kyoto Inferno. Um, I actually have a full sized poster of it at an angle that you can't quite see. 
Okay. Um, yeah. Th- this version of it doesn't look nearly as good, but the full size version of it is. Mm, it's like blockbuster cinema at its best. Uh, robot jocks, because <laughs> look at this shit. Again, Brad, like imagine you're like seven years old. You're walking up down, up and down the aisles at the grocery store, and you see fucking robot jocks. And you're just like, Mom, I know what we have to watch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I probably saw this movie too young. Uh, it opens with a man being stepped on by a giant robot. It was very dramatic. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, karate Kill, uh, which has some of that like scream or shout factory style, very loud uh, cover art style. Mm-hmm. I assure you this movie is nowhere near as awesome as this cover is. Um, it's kind of a shame too, because I was really hyped about uh, the lead actor in it. I would, uh, I think he goes by Hayate. Uh, he was kind of being billed as like the next big thing in Japanese martial arts cinema. He's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie sucks. Uh, Jinro. Uh, we t- we did a full episode on this. Surprisingly, I actually got Kyle to watch an animated film. It doesn't uh-huh. happen all the time, but this I've always thought this poster slash cover is absolutely gorgeous. Um, actually prefer it without the the woman um just yeah. this, the soldier on the moon i think is the actual poster but for the western dvd release they slapped her on there but I, this is just infinitely compelling just the mm-hmm. composition of it the colors the red eyes that's cool um and uh china doing our thing like basically taking the mcu style of poster art and applying it to one of their generic action films like tell me if i'm wrong brad uh, the Brink. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Just faces. Just everybody we got. Yeah. Um, this movie is not very good. Um, but this cover is fucking ballistic. Like, like it really jumps out at you. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the movie was nowhere near as good as I was. I didn't expect that much because, like, the, the fellow with the blonde hair is Max Zhang. Um, he's... I think he was like Michelle Yeoh's stunt double at one point. Oh. Yeah. And uh they he, they actually did a movie where they got to do a scene opposite each other. It was, it was a a movie headlined by him called uh, Master Z, which is a spin-off of Donnie Yen's Ipman movies and he was the villain in Ipman 3. He was he had a moment where I think I think like Hong Kong cinema was trying to make him like the next big thing. He just doesn't quite have it. Like he's good. Like he's got the moves. It's just there's just something missing. He just doesn't have that special something or other. But this was kind of like a, an early attempt at like showcasing him as a talent, and it just just didn't really work. <laughs> um, and last one here, I have uh, two releases of the same film. Uh, I have the the Western cover art for City of Violence, which is uh, same director as a uh, Crying Fist, Ju uh, Sung Won. This is maybe my very favorite korean movie um talk about covers that it's like why can't me and my friends look like that yeah <laughs> like, right like uh, this movie was very special to me in college me and my roommate would watch it and just like obsess about the the visual flair of it because like from a from a like choreography and, and editing standpoint and even the cinematography it's like that is a handsome fucking movie um but uh i think the korean special edition box here that i have which is foreign region which explains why i went on my way to buy this guy i think this composition works better um same movie similar yeah i like that better it just works better if you ask yeah and yeah this movie is very very special to me i'm I'm really excited to rewatch it again sometime soon because i talk about all the fucking time 
Um, but I only just recently picked up that American Blu-ray, like, last month or something. Oh, nice. When wow. I was on the hunt for fucking Fearless... <laughs> like, I don't know if I don't know if I mentioned that on that episode, but when I was recording that episode of Jet Li's uh, Fearless with my buddy Sean Parker, um, I I went everywhere. I drove all over fucking town looking for that Blu-ray because I like the day before I recorded, I discovered that there's a director's cut of that movie. And I was like, well, I guess I got to watch it yeah. <laughs> just in yeah. case he ends up watching a different version of the movie than me. Um, I couldn't find it. Um, but on my journey, I picked up all sorts of shitty ass kung fu movies and stuff all over town, and that was one of them. Although that one's not shitty. But. Hey, well, then it wasn't a wasted trip. That's that's the it good news. It wasn't. I had fun running around in the Seattle rain looking for a Jet Li movie that I already own. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's what I do that instead that of hanging yeah. out with my girlfriend. I go yeah. driving around looking for shitty martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Well. Ah, anyway, that's 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 it. That there's no more. That's all. <laughs> yeah, some good picks there, man. Yeah. No. This. I mean, this one was a, a hasty arrangement, but I want to say we we did a bang up job, Brad. So yeah. Thank, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Thank. Thanks for poking me about recording tonight. This this worked out really well. I'm always happy to have you on the show, so thanks for helping out as always. Yeah, of course. Uh, but before we go, uh, Brad, if you could please uh, let the folks at home know where they can find you and your super fucking awesome podcast and YouTube channel. That would be really awesome. Oh, well, thank you for that compliment. I appreciate that. Uh, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. We're on uh, you know, Twitter at the Cinema Speak. We're on iTunes as Cinema Speak Podcast. You can find the podcast on uh iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. Uh, also, we have our YouTube channel. It's just YouTube. Uh, search for Cinema Speak, and also on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Yeah, uh, thanks so much for the plug there, Brad. Appreciate it. That was very smooth. Uh, not like when I usually do it, but uh, <laughs> I'm curious uh, what's uh, what's on the docket for for the next video. Uh, I actually have a recorded uh, review of my uh, Arrow 4K of The Hills Have Eyes. Um, I'm in the process of editing it, so I don't know when it will be posted. Uh, just a busy time of the year. Busy time of the year. Yeah, no joke, man. I've I've had a packed calendar. Like, I have a calendar. I'm, this is this is very foreign to me, <laughs> which which leads to us recording uh, very hastily uh, yeah. to get all this shit done. But, yeah, we got it in. We got it in. We got it done. We got it done. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about that because uh i don't have many arrow releases but i i want to say they have a very good reputation mm-hmm. and i i've never i've never watched one of their 4ks before so i'm curious what you have to say about that one yeah might be controversial we'll see awesome that the, the, the algorithm know. loves that brad don't even remember <laughs> what i said to be honest with you so it'll be a surprise for me as well <laughs> well perfect that'll be fun for everybody then um, but yeah, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our uh, Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that located on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we're also available on the social medias in the form of an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. And uh, that being said, thanks so much for listening and or watching, hopefully watching, who knows, and uh, we will catch you next time.